Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of September 2021, and it is Masterclass Month here at Catching Up on Cinema. However, it is once again that time of the month wherein we do our very special monthly Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Uh, it's going great. Thanks again for having me, Trevor. Yeah, of course. Always good to have you, Brad. Uh, this, as you had said before we started recording, uh, appears to be a pretty solid month of uh, physical media releases. So uh, folks at home, dear listener, uh, if you're not aware of what a Catching Up on Blu-ray episode entails, uh, essentially what this is is uh, Brad and I uh, perusing the monthly physical media releases. Uh, so if you want to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, just navigate to the lovely website blu-ray.com and head to the release date calendar and just head to the September 2021 uh, section. Uh, and we're just going to review any particular releases that jump out at us and say a little something about them uh, week by week. Uh, so Physical media releases, that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks, generally happen on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Uh, so it appears our first uh, Tuesday of the week falls on September 7th. And uh, right out the gate, as is uh, usually the case with Blu-ray.com's organization, uh, we have our 4K releases. And right out the gate, god dang, Brad, uh, we got... We got a big one, um, yeah. and I'm curious what the reviews are for this one. So, Brad, uh, we have John Carpenter's The Thing in 4K from 1982. Uh, what's what's the news on the street about this disc, Brad? Well, I can't get to, I haven't uh, dug too deep into the forums on this. I will say, uh, picture quality-wise, I think Blu-ray.com gave it a 4 out of 5, so they said it was a nice uh, upgrade uh, picture quality-wise. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't anything, like, mind-blowing, but uh, they one thing that people have been commenting on is it's just uh, doesn't have a ton of uh, bonus features on it compared to like uh, Scream Factory put out a Blu-ray a few years ago, Arrow put out a Blu-ray a few years ago. So uh, I I love the thing. I probably will get this, but I don't know. There's something like kind of holding me back, holding me back a little bit because it's like you know there's going to be other companies putting out the thing on 4K eventually. Kind of, I don't want to get uh, burned like I did with the Halloween 4K, where uh, I believe is it Universal put out their 4K of the original Halloween, and now Scream Factory is coming in with the new uh, remaster of Halloween, along with uh, five, f- f- two through five the sequels, and it's like, well, okay, of course, if I'm gonna buy two through five Halloween sequels on 4K from Scream Factory. I've got to buy the first one from Scream Factory. I can't just have the sequels. And uh, so I'll be double dipping on Halloween on 4K. So I just, I'm just trying to avoid that situation again, I guess. God, the, the world of licensing and trademarks and copyrights and in film is, is just, uh, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but, like Halloween is, is one of the most egregious examples of like, ownership of the character and the properties being traded like back and forth over the years uh, such that it's like who the fuck owns this shit anymore yeah mm-hmm. um and e- even like even like some of those marvel properties they like i don't know if they still have problems but i remember early days in the mcu uh the incredible hulk was was i think a paramount production or or something along those lines um 
and so all the character rights were scattered around. It's it's a fucking mess, <laughs> um, and it seems like like John Carpenter properties in particular seem to to go through this process. Um, I I did pop up like some of the information on this disc, and yeah, I think the major distinction between this release and some of the previous other stellar releases of this film, this very very good film. Uh, the major distinction is that this is a universal disc as opposed to uh, Scream Factory's uh, previous editions of it, which were quite solid and jam-packed with special features. Um, even even by like the, the really basic cover art of this one, you can tell that maybe like their best foot wasn't put forward with it. I would imagine the transfer's just fine. It's just, I think I feel like I'm in the same boat as you, where it's like, I already have a very, very solid version of this of this movie I, yeah. I don't i don't know that this particular upgraded version of it is enough of an upgrade to constitute me opening my wallet again for it um so i i think it's cool that we have it on 4k that makes mm-hmm. me very oh, yeah. happy i uh, i just you know part of me wants to say that like could the scream factory people take another swing at it down the road or something <laughs> I, yeah i feel like they could because th- there's been many different versions of this movie i own this movie twice on blu-ray already am i going to triple dip on this thing now i will say if this thing drops down to 14.99 and it still has a slip cover i will triple dip that is a guarantee but uh right now we're sitting at 21 dollars on amazon not quite there yet we're six dollars lower and we're gonna bite we're gonna bite baby yeah, you know, I'll I'll go with you on that one, Brad. I see this one for fourteen dollars or less. I, I'll I'll grab it. I'll I'll grab that. It's like I won't feel bad about it either. But as, as it stands, like like full retail price, no, fuck you, yeah. <laughs> like, fuck off with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it needs to be said. Both Brad and I are, are huge fans of this film. Um, this is actually one of our one of catching up on cinema's very early reviews. Uh, we did the thing versus the thing. Um, that would be technically the prequel to the thing that bears the same title as the thing that's that's one of the most frustrating examples of poor ti- poor choice of title i've ever seen yeah it's like we have the thing from another world and then we have john carpenter's the thing which is technically a remake of the thing from another world which is based on a book by the same name and then you have the prequel to john carpenter's the thing which is also called the thing so i guess you could call it the thing before the thing <laughs> you know, if I had that on my shelf and it was called The Thing Before The Thing, I'd be like, that's a terrible title, but I'm so glad that they called it that because now I know the sequence. I Like, just by eyeballing it, I can tell which one comes before the other one. Yeah. In, in the chronology, yeah. anyway. Also, I, I unless I just wasn't paying attention, but I, from what I remember, that was more marketed as being a remake, and it was kind of like they made it, the fact that it was a prequel was supposed to be like a surprise. So it's like even more confusing. Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of like uh, maybe like inside baseball or something. Like the it was a prequel. Like I kind of sussed it out just by like reading some of the descriptions of the cast, where it's like yeah. that's a lot of Scandinavian people. <laughs> it's like I have a feeling that this is a prequel. And yeah, sure enough, it was. But yeah, you're right. The trailers didn't really make that a part of the marketing at all. Uh, that may have been a better approach, honestly. Uh, because yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the people who would care to to see the thing like like a spiritual successor type film uh, i would be fans of the original film and that would be a really strong way to hook them but either way it doesn't matter the movie's not great <laughs> 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 like even with mary elizabeth winstead 
still still no good. That no really bueno. that's that's saying something too. That, that is saying something. But uh, let's let's move on, Brad. So we have another 4K release uh, as well as a standard Blu-ray release uh, for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, this would be the film that debuted, uh, the four-plus-hour film uh, that debuted on HBO Max. This was kind of what the the original like opening salvo uh, for the for the hype train behind HBO Max. This was like their big marketing push, where it's like, this is the only place you can get this movie, so you better fucking get HBO Max because nobody's yeah. buying it just yet. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think it worked. I think it largely worked because I mean, it helps that it's HBO. So regardless of the strength of the HBO Max branding, HBO is pretty fucking popular, even even if they didn't have things like Zack Snyder's Justice League on it. Like mm-hmm. just so many of their their shows and, and documentaries and stuff have have mass appeal. And it helps that, you know, Game of Thrones isn't that old. And that was kind of the water cooler chat show there for a minute. Um, but you, you did a full review for this on the Cinema Speak podcast, didn't you? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, so uh, we talked about it. It's definitely uh, I appreciated it, and I, I I enjoyed it for the most part. But I don't think I'll be picking this up. It's the kind of thing where it's like I don't think I would ever sit through that again. Um, but I, I I appreciated it as a one time watch. But yeah, that four hour runtime, and I'm if I buy this, it's just gonna collect dust on my shelf. Yeah, I I did watch it as well. Uh, we did not do a review of it. Uh, I don't I don't I don't know if Kyle bothered to watch it. Uh, the four hours is a lot of movie for Kyle, um, for anyone, honestly. Um, I I quite enjoyed it for the most part. Like I'm not a I'm not a big Zack Snyder fan in general, um, but I think the strongest compliment you can pay to it is that it is a drastic improvement over the original. Uh, Joss Whedon version, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he didn't make the whole thing, but he he his name is associated with it. Um, it is an improvement from the theatrical edition of the film. It is too goddamn long, <laughs> um, but for the most part, it it's fairly well structured. It it moves despite its runtime, uh, and a lot of the set pieces are improved, um, as are the characterizations. I mean, I would hope so, given four hours of time to flesh each and every one of them out. Um, I, I'll have to look into the supplemental features on this, uh, because I'm not particularly interested in watching the movie again. However, I am very interested to know what went into getting it done. I, because just the historical precedent that this film kind of represents, like, I know we've had things like Apocalypse Now, Redux and stuff like that, like re-edits and things along those lines, but something on this scale and something done this publicly i i can't think of another major blockbuster film that that had like a recut like there was there was done in such a public manner mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm very very curious about if they have any making ofs or like really detailed in-depth st- stuff about like the making of it because that, that would be the selling point of the disc for me it looks like there's a 24 minute um featurette and that's it so that's that's it that's it yeah it's a it's a four disc set and you get one uh 24 minute featurette although it looks like uh what i'm seeing here you get that 24 minute featurette twice you get it on the 4k and the blu-ray so you can watch it back to back and you're up to almost 50 minutes wow that is insulting like honestly like like given the like the that stupid fucking twitter campaign the public 
Twitter like petition basically that that kind of jump started the the process for getting this thing made. You would think that placating to that crowd, like showing them how the sausage is made, would would be a selling point for a for moving fucking 4K discs. But uh, damn, if that's the case, uh, yeah, not not terribly interested because yeah, that that is way too much movie for anyone and. Uh, I've seen it. <laughs> so maybe mm. if they do a, a re-release, maybe if they do a double dip that has has like the super duper making of features on it, maybe then I'll check it out. But for yeah. now, I'll take a pass. But. Weirdly, I feel like I could see that happening for some reason. I just, I well, don't know. I'm, I'm curious who who uh, who put out the the Lord of the Rings on on physical media because I know it was a new line production but do you know who put out the discs? I want to say it's Warner Brothers. I could be wrong, but I want to say well, it's them. That same camp. Yeah. <laughs> Kings of the Double Dip, so I yep. wouldn't doubt it. And uh I think Fox also has a reputation for doing that as well cuz um yeah, they do. Uh my uh my uh super duper Best Buy exclusive box of the Wolverine and uh the Rogue cut of uh of uh days of future past the x-men film uh, mm. both of those were were double dips that that had extra super duper bonus features on them that if you had bought the movie like within the first year plus of its initial release i you'd be fucked <laughs> um, but i was I, I was wise to their game so I, I i sat things out and just waited good for you man good for you yeah i, I doubled i, I double dipped on the road cut oh you did oh yeah did never watched it. You didn't watch it? No. <laughs> My next question was going to be, what'd you think of it? <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. I mean, when it comes out on 4K, I'll probably dip again, and I'll uh, still uh, probably not watch. I'll, I'll I'll watch it eventually. I'll I'll get there eventually. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but it's it's not drastically different. But the changes are are welcome. Like mm-hmm. it it, do, it does make a a fine movie slightly better. Like I'm not a huge fan of of Days of Days of Future Past, but it's it's made slightly better by the additions, um, especially because some of the some of the X Men's some of the X Men's uh, who were in the original theatrical cut uh, that did not speak are actually allowed to speak in the throat cut. Oh, there you which go. Is, you know, it's like, oh hey, they're a person. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they yep. were just CGI. Uh, but uh, besides Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. Uh, we have a box set of a Star Trek colon the original four movie collection on 4K from Paramount. Um, Brad, do you have any uh, connection to to these uh, these particular Star Trek films or Star Trek in general? N- not a big connection. I've never been much of a huge Star Trek fan. I did recently, within the last three or four years, I'd say I went and uh, I watched all of these. Uh, original motion picture films for the first time and uh i had a good time with it i i mean even the ones that weren't amazing i still enjoyed watching them all finally i gotta i don't know i definitely have to say kind of and i don't know if this there's like a rights issues thing here but uh kind of weird that it's only the first four it's like why don't you i mean it's just two more like just add in two more like (laughs) like, what are we doing here (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we we began this episode of catching up on Blu-ray talking about rights issues. Um, I want to say it has to do with that because yeah. 
there there can be no other explanation like no there are not four original star trek films there are in fact six because <laughs> what is the sixth one called i can't remember uh the undiscovered country i i liked that one that's a, quite good that's good like i mean it's like okay five was probably the weakest well i, I maybe the first one was actually the weakest but like five was pretty bad um and so it's like well i'm not crying that that one's not included but it's like I want them to include six, and at that point, I'd want them to include five as well. Just kind of so it's like, are they going to put out a set three years down the road of all six? Who knows? I I mean, maybe they'll do like some gimmicky thing where it's like a a weirdly shaped box that is like magnetized, and you can slap onto it. (laughs) I'd like that. I would like that. I mean, I actually would kind of dig that, but I'd have to be assured that that's actually happening yeah Um, uh, otherwise i wouldn't pony up the cash for the first box but yeah this is just bizarre uh because i mean i i do actually like these movies um in fact my most of my experience with star trek comes through these movies i i enjoy almost all of them Mm -hmm. on some level like yeah i I think i have something i get from all of them uh especially the the og like the original star trek like the the next gen movies are mostly kind of garbage um generations is and (laughs) first contact is is fun Mm -hmm. Um, but by the time you get to like the later ones like last two brutal yeah 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 (laughs) we we got some serious problems Uh, the one with f murray abraham the special effects were a little flimsy and then you know tom hardy's like cinematic debut or whatever (laughs) as the clone of picard uh very poor choice of of role but you know it is what it is but but yeah these original trek movies are are kind of how i experienced the original star trek because i've never actually watched the tv show i've watched all of next gen uh, including the movies uh but none of the original series um but i really do like most of these movies Uh, i think the, the 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 running gag has always been the uh the even numbered movies are the good ones mm-hmm. um it like pretty consistently <laughs> um but this is just utterly bizarre to to have something that it's common knowledge that no there are not four films there are six films of of the original generation and i i don't understand what this is supposed to be it, it's weird i'm happy that again i'm happy that we got it much like the thing it's like i'm happy we got it on 4k but where's the rest of it <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to pass on this. Um, it does like I actually am kind of in the mood to revisit some of these mov- movies like right now. So this is a little vexing. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to pass for now. It's a bummer. I I'm I might still potentially pick it up, but uh, I don't know. That's definitely holding me back. It's like if it was all six, boom, easy purchase, no question. Especially because those original Blu-rays. They needed some. Uh, they need some work. They needed a new remaster, and uh, I, from what I can tell, it sounds like these ones look great. From what I hear, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just definitely, definitely bizarre, holding me back. The disrespect, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll just uh, do this in one big block, and then we can move on to something I know you're probably very excited to talk about, Brad. Uh, so we have our uh, what is it, Disney Movie Club exclusive films uh so if you're not aware um i wasn't aware about this until brad had told me about it uh basically the disney movie club is uh like a subscription service through disney 
which uh, serves as the the only way, the only official way, uh, to obtain many of their like less less familiar, less like mainstream uh, films on Blu-ray. Uh, so these are all limited releases that you have to have access to that subscription service in order to obtain. Uh, so the releases for this month appear to be uh, Flight of the Navigator from 1986, which I, I remember seeing as a kid. I remember liking that one. Um, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes and The Watcher in the Woods. And uh, if I remember right, one of, if not both of those, uh, have a reputation for scaring the pants off of very, very little children back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, aside from Flight of the Navigator, uh, none of them are of particular interest to me. But it is fascinating that they're they're really playing to the collector crowd, uh, i.e., like people like Brad and I, <laughs> um, with the subscription model. Yeah, it's just a bummer because it's like I, I would actually I I haven't seen any of these. I mean, maybe I've seen Flight of the Navigator, but I don't think so. But it's like something wicked this way comes. I'd actually really like to watch that, and maybe it's on Disney Plus, so I can just watch it on there. But like if this was not a Disney Movie Club exclusive, I might pop on it, but it's like I'm not going to go through all the headache of that just to like my friend Charlie is one of his all-time favorite movies is Cool Runnings, and that was a Disney Movie Club exclusive, so he just bought it on eBay. He's like, I'm not signing up for that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's what they're playing to is like the the reseller market for this must be insane like there mm-hmm. must be a lot of people who have multiple subscriptions and they're just hoarding these discs so they can in- inevitably flip them um mm. but uh it's a good, good idea oh well, <laughs> got your side hustles set up right there for you brad <laughs> but uh good on your buddy for uh, picking up cool runnings I, yeah. I had i had a grand old time with that movie back in the day as well mm-hmm. um, kind of surprised i don't own it although I, I don't own many comedies so maybe that explains that but um i think my girlfriend got me a, a blu-ray like through ebay through <laughs> through one of those wicked resellers uh of a uh, Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea mm. uh, i think it was one of these disney movie club exclusives so i really appreciate that because that's a that's a movie that's very special to me and obviously it's not not exactly one of their big hits that all the kids are talking about in 2021 no really <laughs> surprised yeah. yeah that old movie from 1954 that i, I was raised on i was raised on Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea but, yeah um let's move on to something you actually care about though brad uh so uh among the people i know like among my circle of friends uh you're you're kind of the hitchcock guy that i'm aware of so oh, all uh, right we have a we have a couple of 4k discs of uh, some hitchcock classics i want to let the folks at home know what those might be Let's see. What do we got? We got Rear Window, Vertigo, and is that it? Am I? Because there's the Steelbooks. Yeah, Rear Window and Vertigo. Um, now, I will say these have been released previously. They were part of the um, like Hitchcock collection 4K. Um, so now they're just coming out as individual releases, which is actually maybe how I, I would prefer it. I haven't done any research to see if, you get, if you're getting skimped on any extras or anything like that if you buy them individually. Um but yeah, I do love these films. I'm I'm honored to uh, be your go-to Hitchcock person. But uh, it's, that's not it saying anything for me. That's more uh, saying that your uh, other friends just <laughs> must not know anything about, must not have any affinity for Hitchcock because I, I I would not put any expertise on my hat. But uh, yeah, Rear Window and Vertigo are both great. I just rewatched them 
not too long ago, within the last year, I want to say. Yeah, uh, where would you place them? Like, if, if you were to assess their their quality amongst the the Hitchcocks that you've seen, I would put Rear Window up there towards the top. I mean, I would probably put. It's no surprise that these are always in like the classics or the essentials collection. They're they're both towards the top. Vertigo, I'm not like. I know it's like number one on like Sight and Sounds list of the best movies of all time, and I can see why it's not my favorite Hitchcock. So I'd say it's a bit below something like Rear Window. Uh, I like North by Northwest more than Vertigo, Psycho more than Vertigo. But it's, I mean, they're all they're all great. Um, so yeah, definitely, they're all worth checking out. I don't. I'm thinking it's uh, Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo, um, and then. I don't think North by Northwest was part of the 4K collection. Which one am I missing? There was four of them. Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo. Strangers on a Train. The, maybe The Birds? Might have been The Birds. The, bir- the Birds, I mean, in, as far as mainstream appeal goes, uh, I would I would assume that that's very high on, on whoever's list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that might have been... Yeah, The bir- the Birds was uh, is on 4K now. So I don't think North by Northwest is on 4k yet so still waiting on that one that again probably some weird rights issue like because i've got a set on blu-ray where it's got all five of them and it's like those are kind of you know like the all like the big heavy hitters for hitchcock i'd say are those five um but what can you do man north by northwest it'll it'll come on its own someday maybe criterion What's his face? Is it Mustafa Akkad who who owns the or who has repeatedly owned Halloween from time yeah. to time? Yeah, so he probably he's probably sitting on North by Northwest too. Fuck well, he's <laughs> well, yeah. The is it Mustafa Akkad? One of I, he died, right? I think so. I think it's his son or something that owns it now. I mean, the legacy yeah. lives on. Like, oh like yeah, this, this is how things play out in Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I'd, I've heard these look good, and uh, I uh, need. I still need to pick them up. But I just recently watched them, so I'm not like in any kind of rush. Unfortunately, um, I really screwed myself over there. But you know, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, these are both movies that I should have seen by now. Um, now that I'm in my early 30s, it's like, come on, get on that. But um, I have not. Uh, I don't think I'd be blind buying them. I'm sure that they're available on some streaming service I might have. It's just a matter of finding the right time and the right mood to get around to them. But uh, once again, though, it's very cool that we we have them on 4K. Uh, mm-hmm. Just you know, keep pushing them along to the new formats. It's 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 important to keep these old classics alive and circulated. But um, bounding on down to the next row here we have the woody woodpecker screwball collection 1941 to 1972 uh we also have a vincent price film a vincent price film uh theater of blood from 1973 uh and then beside that we have an obscure release of a direct-to-video sequel that i have actually seen in childhood uh that would be lawnmower man 2 beyond cyberspace uh that is not the title i know it by though um, mm. The title I know it by is uh, Job's War, and it looks like the cover art reflects that as well. Yeah, uh, interesting. So this, yeah, uh, I'm curious. Uh, maybe it had a uh, international title or something. Maybe yeah. maybe Job was, uh, maybe some Bible stuff was a problem to some people in some demographics. Who knows? Um, 
but this is put out by Ronin Flicks, uh, not a label I'm familiar with, but uh, this film is, of course, a sequel to the 90s techno thriller. Uh, God, I miss that that subgenre <laughs> techno thrillers like we were we were enamored with with techno thrillers back in the early 90s and and just michael crichton in general um this was of course uh initially advertised as uh, stephen king's the lawnmower man uh the original theatrical film with pierce brosnan and jeff fahey um famously or infamously i think there was a lawsuit involved with that because the movie bore absolutely no resemblance to the very 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 short story that stephen king had written um but they repurposed it and turned it into a techno thriller where the the entire selling point of the movie is not very young uh pierce brosnan it is uh vr it is really bad cgi very bad very dated cgi and uh jeff fahey in a shitty wig uh, playing a very stupid man, um, I I have a weird relationship with the Lawnmower Man, where I I know it's not good. Oh, oh shit, Brad! <laughs> Brad is just slapping me in the nuts with his collection right now. Uh, I kind of want that. Uh, so Brad is holding up a slipcover complete collector's edition of is it the Scream Factory? Uh, yep. Lawnmower Man disc. It is, yeah. Which uh, I gotta say, I'm not a fan of this film. No, I, it's terrible. It is bad. Yeah, I've I've only seen it once, and I didn't even finish it. But they it's put it really out. bad. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it was brutal. I spent like it was on TV, and I was watching it, and it was like I spent like the whole afternoon like slogging through it, and I eventually just gave up. Um, but yeah, Scream Factory when they put out the original, and it does have two cuts. I was like, ah. All right, I got it. You're, I got to get watching it. that twice, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> you're not watching that twice. Well, I would like to watch the uh, the director's cut. I would like to see the director's cut potentially. Um, the director's cut, I I need to see as well because uh, yeah. I actually haven't. But I I have seen the original, like I guess you'd call it the theatrical cut of the Lawnmower Man, an ungodly number of times. And yes, I am fully aware that it stinks. It it is not good. But for some reason, I just had it on repeat a lot when i was a kid and uh, if kyle listens to this episode i don't i don't know if he listens to these episodes brad <laughs> <laughs> i'll be totally honest um if he's listening uh y- we will talk about the lawnmower man at some point like, yeah maybe he'll dip out of that episode too <laughs> the, the director's cut is like a half hour longer than the theatrical cut so it's a big difference there's oh, well, uh well you gotta watch that one yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah I, I fully admit that The Lawnmower Man's terrible, and the sequel's no good either. Uh, in fact, you, you even lose uh, Pierce Brosnan and Jeff Fahey. Uh, I forget the actor that replaces uh, Pierce Brosnan, but his character is in the sequel, and uh, Jeff Fahey's character is replaced by Max Headroom himself, uh, Matt Frewer. Um, I like Matt Frewer. I do like Matt Frewer. Love, we all love Matt Frewer. He's great. He enunciates so cleanly. <laughs> No, Matt Fur is great, but yeah. uh, this is this is you know direct to video schlock. Uh, obviously, through it, like if you followed any of the conversations I've had with Brad about the movies in my terrible fucking collection, uh, you know that I've exposed myself to many a direct to video shit sequel. So this this fits into that category. However, I, I even I don't need to own this. I'm just I'm just kind of enthused by the fact that it exists on blu-ray because i I think never in a million years would i have expected to see this piece of shit show up again this is Um, what we live for these movies deserve to be in hd as well 
it belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brad, beside that, we have something that I think both of us, regardless of what the the reviews say, I think both of us have some measure of interest in seeing at some point. Uh, we have a Blu-ray for something called Great White from 2021, and the cover art shows a gosh darn shark coming at some lady underwater. Um, Brad Brad has coined the phrase uh, "eat 'em up." Uh, it, it is an entire genre of of horror film, I guess you'd call it. Although there are certainly comedic versions of them, but basically animal attack movies. Uh, both Brad and I have a very soft spot. Uh, for eat 'em up films and uh brad have you heard anything about this great white movie i have not but uh i'm in i'm in baby um especially just the premise i'm reading the premise here on blu-ray.com very uh open water-esque they're uh on a seaplane that's destroyed in a freak accident and they get trapped on a raft uh, surrounded by sharks i'm in yeah it's probably no, terrible I mean- but it's probably terrible. Hope, hopefully the gore is good. Like, if, if you're going to have a simple premise like that, like, at the very least, give me give me some juicy gore, you know, chunk, some chunky salsa in the water every now yep. and again just to oh, keep yeah. me interested. And, um, but, yeah, this is from 2021, so it's a, it's a brand spanking new release, presumably aimed at the red box crowd. Uh, not going to be paying good money for it, but, you know, if it's on, like, the Tubi or something, <laughs> I'll, I'll fucking watch it. Why not? Yeah, the Blu-ray does include a six-minute making-of documentary, so, uh, you know, might be worth picking up just for that alone. Um, Oh, yeah, I I, I got to know the the, the cinema magic that went into (laughs) making Great White. Hang on here. I'm I'm reading the Blu-ray.com review. Apparently, the Blu-ray does come with a uh, promotional insert for Shudder, so this might be showing up on Shudder if it's not on there already. I might have to go check this out. Oh, yeah, uh, folks at home, Brad has a, he has a, a Shutter account, like, whenever he forgets to cancel. <laughs> which is always. Which is always, so I guess for the time being, he currently has a Shutter yeah. subscription. So, yeah, if it pops up on there, maybe give it a watch. Let me oh, know how definitely. it is. definitely. <laughs> All right. Uh, beside that, we have another Vincent Price uh, film, The Tomb of Ligeia. I think that might be that how that's pronounced, from 1964. Uh, we also have Frank Capra's State of the Union from 1948. Um, we have A Life at Stake from the Film Detective. Uh, these guys seem to specialize in a particular brand of schlock, being as they also put out a disc of Ega, uh, which <laughs> is known to be like schlock, like a prototypical example of schlock. Although maybe that should be reserved for the film. I think it's a John Landis film actually titled Schlock. Um, but uh, we also have uh, Crazy Nights from Full Moon Features. And uh, we have our first Lion's Gate. I can tell just from the cover art. Uh, mm-hmm. The Gateway. and uh, Oh, yeah, and the presence of Frank Grillo. Uh, <laughs> uh, without even opening the, like, the larger version of the image, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. And, yeah, sure enough, it is a Lionsgate film, The Gateway from 2021. Uh, wow, they have really expanded their reach. Uh, we have Shea Wiggum gets top billing. Mm. Uh, Olivia Munn with Frank Grillo. And, oh, my gosh, Brad, Bruce Dern. Oh, they wow. Got, they got Bruce. Wow. I feel I'm, bad I'm for impressed. him. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a legend, but now he's in the gateway with with Frank Grillo. <laughs> so I'm guessing Frank Grillo's in the first five minutes. 
And then he had to peace out and go to whatever Joe Carney had movie set they're currently filming on. Yeah, that's probably, you're probably about right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have individual releases of the first four, not first six, the first four Star Trek films. Uh, is this a random Scream 2 disc I'm seeing? Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is. I yeah, know what the, uh, What's the deal with that? <laughs> I know Scream is coming out on 4K. Oh, it looks like Scream 2 and Scream. So I'm guessing Scream, I don't know when it comes out, but Scream must be coming out on 4K. So they're putting these two out on Blu-ray because they chose not to give those 4Ks. I don't know. And and Scream 4 is apparently nowhere to be seen. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My second favorite one. Yeah, where the hell is this one? Man, these franchise releases this first week of September are just all over the place. Jeez, <laughs> gross. Uh, now, we have something that I I did actually scout ahead of time. Oh, I knew you, this just... I, I got I like par, the wrong all the wrong parts of me got really excited about this because it's just baffling. Like from a marketing standpoint, this is just maybe one of the most hilarious packagings I've ever seen. It, so it we, might be the greatest cover of all time. It's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> so we have Death Ring from Code Red, and the the cover art for this, folks at home, if you like, if you want to look it up, uh, it features like most prominently of all people billy drago uh who i mostly know for uh carlito's what no the untouchables uh the other de palma movie um then we have oh but a series of names at the top of the at the top of the box and it reads simply no first names because we can't do that we have swayze norris mcqueen drago what a cast wow yeah what a cast brad until you look at until you look further down the description and you huh? see what the first names of all these people involved What do you are. mean? I know what their first names are. I know, yeah. You would think Patrick Swayze, Chuck Norris, yeah. Steve McQueen, Ivan Drago. They got yeah. the fictional character from Rocky <laughs> Ford to be in a movie, a different movie. But no, Brad, it is in fact Mike Norris, Billy Drago, Chad McQueen, and Don Swayze. What? <laughs> So we have a bunch of off-brand versions of big-name actors. That is great. In what appears to be action schlock from 1992. Not even 80s action schlock. Early 90s action schlock, which is a totally different brand of action schlock. This is right up my alley. (laughs) I might buy this brand. I honestly, when I saw this, I was like, yeah, I would not be surprised if Trevor buys this. (laughs) I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think it's hilarious how bold-faced they are with it, where it's like, if you look at the faces of all the people on the cover, it's like, I don't know who the fuck any of these guys are, but I I don't know know, all uh, of those names. I don't know if you follow um, Dawn of the Discs on social media, but they're known for being like the, anytime there's a new title announcement, they announce it on their page, so it's like, you don't need to follow every single boutique label you can just follow dawn of the discs and they do all like they're really quick on it and uh as soon as dawn of the discs announced this and they put up like new title announcement from code red and they put up the uh the cover people were having a field day with it it was was amazing (laughs) yeah i i think i do follow them um i i believe because you tip me off to them uh very handy very Mm -hmm. very handy if you if you want to get get advanced notice about the sort of thing but yeah i i very well may pick up death ring just because that that is just so laughable to me um 
Now, I'm going to bounce on down a bit here. Uh, it looks like we have a Kevin Bacon film called uh, You Should Have Left from 2020. Brad, do you know this one? Yeah, I remember when it came out. It's uh, from, uh, what's the guy's name? David Kep? Is that, am I thinking of the right guy? Oh, uh, the writer? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, David Kep wrote and directed this. Okay. Um, I heard not great things, so I never checked it out, but I was curious. Uh, kind of a horror psychological thriller uh, film. Um, I know there was a little bit of uh, controversy because uh, Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried play lovers in this, and there's a big age gap between them, but I'm assuming, I never heard if it was confirmed, but I assumed that was part of the point of the film, I was guessing. Um, but I don't know. Never checked it out. I heard it kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, nothing about it sets my world on fire, especially since uh, most recent episode of Catching Up on Cinema, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, I seem to remember David Kep being on the making of featurette for that film, so he wrote that stinker. Uh, I know he's done good work. Like, I'm not going to shit on the man's reputation entirely. I just think it's funny that this week's episode just happens to be that. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, that I do like Kevin Bacon quite a bit. Amanda Seyfried, for whatever the fuck reason, means fuck all to me. Like, absolute, total, like, just non-element in terms of my interest. Like, it's just not a selling point for me. Yeah. Never has been, never, never, at this point, I guess, never will be. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, although, I did hear she is in Twin Peaks The Return. So She is, yeah. Maybe, is she any good in it? Yeah, she's good. I mean, she's not in it a ton. Uh, very small role, but yeah, I liked her in it. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, so let's uh, bounce on down because we have a bunch of stuff that I presume are these are dated releases. I I assume that they're debuting on Blu-ray, but it's all 1940s films for the most part. I'll just gloss over it. Something in the Wind for the Love of Mary and because of him. Uh, and then we have a documentary that again very fitting. Uh, being as this month is Masterclass Month and we've been talking about Indiana Jones films all September long, uh, we have a documentary called Elstree 1976, uh, which is, of course, alluding to uh, Elstree Studios in England, uh, where Star Wars and, in fact, uh, I believe most of the Indiana Jones films were shot. Uh, so this 2015 documentary, I presume, is about the making of Star Wars or or just the history of that studio in the 70s uh, i'd be curious to see that yeah yeah um you hear anything about the silo movie brad uh no i don't i don't know what this is to be honest uh skill oscilloscope pictures yeah uh, yeah i've never heard of that label either but the plot description reads disaster strikes in the small iowa farm town of new hope when asthmatic teenager cody rose that's really close to Cody Rhodes, uh, becomes the victim of a grain entrapment accident. As corn becomes quicksand inside of a 50-foot-tall silo, the town locals must put aside their differences to save Cody from drowning in the crop they harvest. Okay, uh, that is the plot of a movie. <laughs> um, I'm sure you could make that thrilling, but um, I know nothing about it. Uh, premise is not awful, actually. It could be That could be thrilling, I guess. Uh but uh, anything else for the remainder of the, the week jumping out at you, Brad? I think that's all I've got for that week. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll just point out that something called American Badger uh, from 2021 is coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, I, I've always thought of, I've always had an affinity for Badgers. So that particular title uh, means 
it resonates with me on some level, uh, but I will not be picking that up. Um, so let's bound on down uh, to September 14th, which is the second Tuesday of the calendar month. Uh, and we have our 4K releases right up front. And uh, first one we got here is uh, the MCU film uh, Black Widow on 4K. This was a 2021 release, though I want to say it was intended to be released in theaters anyway, considerably earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the pandemic kind of hit and threw a monkey wrench into things and we got it when we got it. Now, Brad, uh, did you do a full review of this uh, for the Cinema Speak podcast? Yep. Yeah, we did. Um, it was okay. I wasn't like super crazy about it. It felt very kind of boilerplate Marvel to me. Um, I did like Florence Pugh in it quite a bit, but I don't know. This is one, I'm not somebody who like buys all the Marvel films on, uh, physical media. Probably won't be getting this one cause, uh, didn't really do much for me, but, uh, you know, it's, I'd say it's still worth at least checking out once. Yeah. I, I actually am one of those people who buys all the Marvel movies. Well, there you uh, go. I, I bought in early enough that I, again, Iron Man two is the first Blu-ray I've ever purchased. Uh, mm. So I've just kept that trend rolling. Although yeah. obviously there are ones on there that's just like I'm not especially thrilled to own, like the Incredible <laughs> Hulk, for instance. It's like I didn't end up with one of the uh, the the green cases for that one, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't have that like sticking up my shelf. But it's just one of those things I don't plan on cracking open very often. And this is one that, in general, I want to say a lot of the MCU movies, uh, with the exception of maybe some of the more recent Avengers ones like in terms of image fidelity on the disc like the 4k doesn't they don't make the most extensive use of the format like Mm -hmm. they're they're fine much like the movies themselves they're like the image quality is fine Uh, so like here and there i do end up just picking up blu-rays like i haven't just fully converted to 4k uh, for all future releases and this serves as a very good example of one that i might do that with because none of the reviews i've read on blu-ray.com suggest that it's a tremendous hike in quality and if i did i did listen to your review of it brad and i've listened to many others and nothing about it sounds like it's exceptional by any means uh which is kind of a bummer because uh, i i i'm a sucker for spy movies uh in particular like spy action thrillers and whatnot and also like the taskmaster um in the in the marvel comics has long been one of my very favorite characters in fact um he had his own dedicated series. Uh, it was like a, a four-issue series. Um, I, th- I think the the writer was Fred Van Lenty or Fred Van Lent. It was, I think it was called Unthinkable. I, uh, it's just a four-issue series, and and he he's typically not a character who's given his own book. He he's usually just a villain that pops up in other people's stories for a chapter or two. But this was a weird exception in the I think it was the late two thousands or like early twenty tens where they gave him his own four-issue comic, and at the time, it was, like, one of my very favorites. Like, I, I thought it was tremendous. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was really, really hyped uh, to hear that they were finally integrating that character into the MCU, and uh, sounds like they truly shat the bed <laughs> when it came to making people like me who actually have an affinity for the character uh, happy. So that's a bummer, but yeah. I, yeah, I'll end up watching it. I'll probably end up blind buying this one. Um but I'm not expecting much from it, largely based on like your assessment of it and others like you. Yeah, just think though, like you're gonna get it cheaper 
I'd assume even just buying it. Let's see, what's this going for on 4K right now? Like you can buy it now on 4K physical media for what it cost for that uh, Disney Plus subscription rental when they did the you know in theaters and on Disney Plus. It was thirty dollars to. Uh, is that how much that shit cost? Yeah, yeah. God I damn! Think was, I think it was like an indefinite, like you got it indefinitely as long as you're subscribed to Disney Plus, but thirty dollars on top of your subscription. So uh, you got to think. I mean, this is a deal right now. You're getting a deal. <laughs> well, if you look like at I said, it like that, <laughs> I might end up just getting the Blu-ray. In fact, I'm fairly certain I'm just gonna go with the Blu-ray. But I'll, I'll end up grabbing it when I grab it. I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's not. They're not gonna run out of circulation. <laughs> but um, beside that, uh, we have. Uh, is this debuting on 4K, Brad? Uh, we yes. Have, we have a big one. This is a. This is one. For the whole family, <laughs> this is uh, Shawshank Re- the Shawshank Redemption from 1994, uh, directed by Frank Darabont, who, funny enough, again was just mentioned on our Kingdom of the Crystal Skull review because he was actually he actually made a pass at writing a script for Indiana Jones 4, and Spielberg was apparently into it, and uh, mm. they didn't go with that one. Instead, they went with the one with the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a truly beloved film. Uh, I I don't know anyone who doesn't have some appreciation for this film. Like, in, it's one of those movies that you can just say Shawshank, mm-hmm. and everybody smiles. They're like, ah, Shawshank. <laughs> like, it feels right. Like tonight feels right to watch Shawshank. And it's like, why is that? It's like, well, because it's always the right night for Shawshank. It's just, yeah. it's just a great ass movie. I, it's you know it's a classic. It is a great movie. But have you heard the uh, recent controversy surrounding this uh, particular 4K release? Uh, give me the scoop, Brad. What what's what's hot off the press? So uh, I have not picked up this uh, disc yet, partly because of this controversy. Uh, people are losing it in the Blu-ray.com forums. Apparently, the audio on this has some issues where it almost. Uh, gets overly hot at times and uh let me just here let me read you the line from the blu-ray.com review um one drawback to its increased volume level though is that portions of dialogue sound uncharacteristic uncharacteristically hot that is uh uh they become a bit too pronounced with slight crackling uh it's evidenced from the very first courtroom scene during andy's sentencing and the issue returns intermittently when voices rise above normal speaking levels. So, yeah, there you go. A lot of people not happy with uh, how the uh, audio is on this release. That is a bummer. Yeah. Like, really, the, again, the reputation of this movie, like, not even among, like, collector types and whatnot, just, like, everybody. <laughs> like, everybody likes Shawshank. It's, like, one of those things that... You really gotta give it its due. You gotta show it the proper respect if you're gonna put it out on any format. So that that is a bummer. Yeah, I, I actually uh, surprisingly never owned this on Blu-ray, so I probably will still pick up the 4K eventually. Um, but yeah, just be aware. Just uh, like I've heard people who uh, are not tech heads, like I like on some movie podcasts and stuff, people that just like watching movies and they don't really. Pay, pay attention to audio quality, picture quality. They just pop it in and watch it. Even they were commenting, and it's like, wow, if they noticed, it must be pretty evident. Wow. 
I, yeah. that's saying quite a bit because yeah there, there's there is such a thing as passively viewing a film like that's difficult for me to do but yeah there is such a thing as just like sinking into the couch and just putting something on but like if you're in the middle of a session like that and it's like hang on that didn't sound right <laughs> like and you're a casual viewer there is a serious problem with that so um we'll see maybe they'll uh they'll do the shout factory thing of saying like hey ship them on back we're we're gonna try again but i seriously doubt it yeah um, it is a warner brothers disc like i'm pretty sure whatever whatever's coming out of the factory is what we're getting also uh it's worth mentioning that uh that audio issue which people have been pointing out in the forums and everything it was brought up as i just read in the blu-ray.com review the high def digest review didn't mention it at all so that's why I mean, we if, use blu-ray.com exactly for our catching up on blu-ray episodes Brad. exactly <laughs> give us a sponsorship <laughs> yeah uh, I'm, I'm only half kidding um <laughs> we give you guys a lot of press we give you guys a lot of positive press that, that is true that is true it's true we don't talk a lot of shit about blu-ray.com we appreciate never it. even Not when there's when the website crashed. goes down yeah. <laughs> That you know, Brad. That that's one. That's a catching up on Blu-ray that is worth going back to. <laughs> Trevor and Brad. Trevor and Brad struggling to function without access to Blu-ray.com. We had to keep it going, though. We had to keep it going. We we got it done, Brad. We are professionals. Yep. yep. Don't get paid. And aren't, <laughs> and aren't sponsored by Blu-ray.com. <laughs> uh, so we have another 4K release, a a, a funky one, uh, an unexpected one. We have Hansel and Gretel. Witch Hunters from 2013. This is a Paramount disc. Uh, is a uh, is that Hawkeye, a Disney show coming out soon or something? Like maybe they're oh. trying to get a, a, a Jeremy Renner product, whatever the fuck it might be, or something. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you could be dead on with that. Yeah, that's actually it's it's all just synergy. Like everything in marketing is synergy. Just like, it, it, let's just put whatever the fuck we got out there, like with Jeremy Renner's face on it, or whatever yeah. Haley Steinfeld movies we got. Let's put them out. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see this when it came out initially. I don't really know anyone who did. Uh, it actually looked somewhat fun in that, like, Hugh Jackman, Van Helsing kind of way. Um, but in 2013, this just wasn't really what I was in the mood for, so I just didn't bother with it. Mm-hmm. I Did saw this in theaters, it? yeah. How was it? Uh, not very good. Was it like better than Van Helsing or worse? Mm, from what I remember, I liked Van Helsing more. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Because yeah. Van, Van Helsing knew what it was. Yeah. Like, it, it knew how fucking stupid it was. And, you know, it, it had that mummy energy going for it. Yeah. So it, that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not going to be bothering with it uh, in 2021, uh, same as I did in 2013. But uh, let's bound up back to the top rack here. We got uh, Alone in the Dark from 1982. This is a collector's edition Shout Factory disc. Uh, this stars Jack Palance, Donald Pleasance, and Martin Landau. Holy shit, we got the all-stars of old guys. Uh, all the people with all the leathery faces. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love all three of those guys, but I don't actually know this movie. The cover art's fantastic, though. Yeah, I don't know the movie much either. Uh, I think the basic plot is something uh, a 
group of thieves escape from a mental or maybe not thieves just criminals escape from a mental institution and they go to uh like uh terrorize the person who put them in there something like that um but i will say that when this was announced people were very excited so i I think that maybe speaks to its quality i think it's so there's something to the film worth watching um but yeah I, i don't even know if i'd heard of this until scream factory announced it was coming out yeah like i said they they put together a handsome package i like a lot of the people involved in it i'm sure mm-hmm. it's pretty good i just i just don't know it um <clears throat> nor will i be picking it up but uh we have an arrow box set uh cold war creatures four films from sam katzman uh this includes creature with the atom brain the werewolf uh zombies of moratau and my favorite the giant claw um that's the only one of those four that i know uh however that is worth the price of admission brad mm-hmm. yeah you, I've, heard, you, I've heard that about that one yeah oh yeah the giant claw is fantastic it, it features one of the the worst monster designs in cinema history uh and it was it's from that era where we're, we're not going to be disguising how bad it is we're just going to ram the camera up into it and just like show it in all of its glory as much as we can uh, it's it's awesome. It's yeah. awesomely bad filmmaking. It's it's one of the finest examples of like a atomic creature feature gone wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very entertaining for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, we have another release of Perfect Blue, uh, which is a Japanese animated film from 1997. We did a review of that. Uh, it's a lost episode to some degree. Uh, Kyle's audio got corrupted, so I had to go back and do it all by myself uh hopefully that one didn't suck too much i have not gone back and listened to it <laughs> um but i say another release because i've seen i th- i've seen multiple releases of it over the past couple of years i don't even know who's putting out this version of it but we have a uh, zola from 2020 which is certified fresh brad oh uh, great this <laughs> is a lionsgate film uh i have seen this advertised somewhat relentlessly uh on the social medias and on the youtubes and whatnot I think the story goes that the the narrative is pulled from an like an actual Twitter like narrative like that was relayed via social media to the public. Yep. Um, yeah. On paper, it sounds like an interesting premise. I'm I'm not particularly interested, but they made a movie out of it. So yeah. Hopefully, somebody got paid. <laughs> I heard pretty decent things about it. I might try and squeeze it in sometime before the end of the year. Um, but uh, nothing was grabbing me too much where i was rushing out to watch it or anything like that yeah i'm kind of in the same boat like if 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 it's put on like if the girlfriend wants to watch or something sure check it out i've heard mostly good and it's certified fresh which obviously counts for a lot (laughs) it's got riley kehoe so uh i'm in okay one one of your gals brad (laughs) yeah yes um yeah yeah Yeah. I actually don't know her. Oh, well, I got some movies you can check out. Um, <laughs> share share my recommendations. <laughs> Looking forward to it after we uh, hop off the recording, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have our first Criterion release of the month. Uh, that would be Neil Jordan's Mona Lisa, 1986. This is headlined by Bob Hoskins, but also features Kathy Tyson, Michael Caine, and Robbie Coltrane. Uh 
I don't know this movie by reputation, but it fits in the Criterion Collection, as we tend to say here. Uh, it is more than likely worth your time. Are you going to be picking this one up, Brad? Uh, no, probably not. I, I Like you said, I don't know much about it. Um, but, I mean, a decent cast, and uh, Neil Jordan is a known director to me, so there's at least some... Some level of talent I know behind it. Uh, maybe there's some synergy as well with you know Bob Hoskins, and they just announced they're uh, doing a new Super Mario Brothers movie. Maybe there's a <laughs> you know maybe a little Criterion synergy there, trying to hook hook the young crowd in. Yeah, you you might be onto something there. I think I I just saw on like like Kinja or something an advertisement, like an entire blog post devoted to signaling to the public that hey. The Super Mario Brothers movie is three dollars on Amazon right now. It's like on DVD because it was, as far as I know, never put out in HD. It's like, think anybody actually cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> I own that piece of shit, <laughs> and I did pay roughly three dollars for it, but I don't think many people are in a hurry to grab that. But now, um, but yeah, uh, I'd be interested to check it out because I I've never seen Bob Hoskins per- turn in a poor performance, and this is from a period of his career where he was kind of riding high honestly um we have uh, a a re-release of a couple of leica films paranorman and kubo and the two strings Uh, we have another arrow release of death screams uh from 1982 uh do you know this one brad because this this one is not known to me at all yeah i I don't know much about it um but i am slightly intrigued because i like arrow and i actually do like the packaging a lot um, if you can see here, like the image, like the the mouth is a, I guess, a slipcover for lack of a better word that comes out over the actual case. So some uh, some nice creative packaging there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I might pick this up. I've been I've been considering it. Uh, I I need to do a little more research on it though. But uh, I remember when it was announced, I was like, I'm gonna put that one, put that one in the back uh, the back folder for later. Okay, that, I mean that's a fair assessment. I mean the the cover art's kind of kind of fun, mm-hmm. and it is an aero disc. They usually have a good reputation for putting up good product. Um, we have a four K release of the Boss Baby, family business. Uh, we have Santa Fe Trail from nineteen forty, and then we have uh, Mayor of East Town from twenty twenty one. And I think it's it's comforting. Uh, I, Brad and I talked about this on our most recent uh, Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a series guy for the most part. Like I, I find large episode counts to be very intimidating, honestly. Um, and so I know this to be a series. However, the packaging is simply written as Mayor of Easttown, which suggests to me that it's a limited series. Like this, this is the entirety of the narrative that's, that's going to be produced for this particular story. Um, I, I know for a minute there, the internet was kind of, uh, like really into this show like it 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 really took off like Mm -hmm. did that reputation carry through to the end of its run brad do you know yeah i think it was pretty popular up until its finale um and it did take home uh several awards at the emmys a few weeks ago i think kate winslet won best actress in a limited series um and yeah i i liked it a lot I, i would definitely recommend it it's uh directed by craig zobel who did compliance and the hunt and a, f- a few other films, um, and uh, yeah, it's I enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay, yeah, uh, I I might actually end up checking this one out because I I seem to remember hearing that I think it takes place somewhere in Pennsylvania, 
and uh, a lot of people were having fun with the the accents in there. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, so I I I'd be curious to check this one out. Um, but we have uh, a film that I have to presume is very very sexy. We have Gregory Peck and Sophia Loren in Arabesque. I mean, two leads like that in the '60s, doing all right. Uh, and then we have the French Conspiracy, which is not the sequel to the French Connection because that is called the French Connection Two. Uh, from 1972 uh, we also have eli roth's history of horror season two uh, from 2020 did you watch any of these brad i think i watched the first episode or some of the first episode and uh i i didn't not like it i i kind of want to watch it I, f- I feel like it was just very at least from what i saw the first episode felt very basic like it was kind of like you know He's got a lot, a lot of great interviews, like a lot of great people commenting on stuff. But it's all like talking about movies and saying shit that's been said a million times before. Now maybe that's just I didn't give it enough of a chance because I, I'm, I would like to watch this actually. Just uh, I don't know, didn't didn't grab me. Yeah, I, I could totally see it being well trodden ground. Uh, like like I've mentioned to you on previous episodes, uh, those In Search of Darkness, uh, doc- four-hour-long horror documentary, 80s horror documentaries uh, are, are very, very good and go pretty in-depth, um, mm-hmm. although not enough, honestly, even with that gross runtime of four hours and even with two films and now a third one currently, like, being financed. Like, I think the Kickstarter starts, like, next week or something. Uh, so they're planning on triple-dipping that shit. Even with that absurd runtime on all of those, they still don't go deep enough. Honestly, they're fun, and I and I I do own two of them. I will own the third one. Um, but yeah, the, these sort of like from the, direct from the set stories about a lot of these movies have unfortunately been already told uh, in detail in many many other places. So I want to say it's probably a case where it's like if if Eli Roth is a big selling point for you, maybe you get an extra bonus from that. Like it gives you a little. A little hike in quality there and maybe if like whatever movies they end up cover happen to be somewhat more obscure ones maybe you can get some interesting factoids out of that but yeah i could totally see this being somewhat redundant um however it is something that if i had shutter i'd it'd probably be something i would be watching anyway mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I should i should watch it i should yeah put it this way maybe put on the background when you're fucking around like editing your podcast or something yeah just like look up look up when something that you haven't heard before happens (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. it's like it's like wow i've had on for six hours and i never looked up (laughs) (laughs) uh oh uh is this one of is this a movie that you know brad uh rafifi in paris that name rafifi sounds very very familiar yeah i don't actually know if this is I mean, I guess I'm assuming it's actually. I, I guess I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't even want to say anything because I don't know. But I, I do love the uh, movie Rafifi. I don't know if this is an actual sequel or. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I do remember you, you brought it up on one of our Tales from the Shelf episodes. Let me uh, see. A, a movie called Rafifi that was part of a, a, a was it a Criterion box set you had? Uh, yeah, it's a Criterion release that I have. Yep. And it's, uh, an awesome heist film. Um, I'm just trying to find if I can see that this is a, a sequel. Kino's website is very dated. (laughs) Not like Blu-ray.com. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very clean and very up to date and totally doesn't ever go down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see. Yeah. This might just be using the name 
Rafifi. I don't think this is an actual sequel or anything. I mean, it's a name. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it it popped up in my head. I was like, I know that name. I've heard that before. Um, That's unfortunate, but maybe look into it. Uh, We also have Walk on the Wild Side from 1962, and then we have a movie that uh, you did not review this for the Cinema Speak podcast, did you? Uh, Censor from 2021? I did not, know, and I, I will say, a uh, word of warning here. This is a, a PSA for you. Um, let me get back to Blu-ray.com. I'm on Kino's website. I got to get back. Hang on. Um, so Sensor is actually coming out on 4K through Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, shit. Yeah. So actually, this one, I don't even know, because when I click on Sensor here, it says you can pre-order it. So maybe this is, like, not even a thing anymore. But, yeah, uh, maybe it's in dispute. Like, yeah. Maybe Vinegar Syndrome snatched it. Yeah, it's basically Vinegar Syndrome has a thing going on, and I don't totally understand it, so I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it's basically like they, they're they going to be releasing their own films now, and this was one wow. of the first ones that they acquired. Um, and, like, there's another film, I think it's, like, New York Ninja, which was, like, an older film that had... I don't know if that never got released or something. But, yeah, basically, not only are they going to be putting other people's movies out on Blu-ray, they're also going to be having their own Vinegar Syndrome pictures, I guess. And I don't know if it's going to be just acquiring films that have already been made and then just putting their stamp on it. But uh, Sensor is coming out on 4K, um, I believe, uh, to coincide with their Black Friday sale. So just a... A heads up to keep that on the keep that on the back burner. Wow, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, I totally was not aware of any of that, but that's 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 really awesome news for Vinegar Syndrome. That yeah. is a sign of expansion on mm-hmm. their part, aggressive expansion, if you will. Uh, so that means they are doing just fine. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, I've heard mostly good things about this film censor. Um, I read and and listened to some really interesting reviews about it, such that. I might actually want to check this one out. I I might pick up the 4K when it comes out. I'm kind of becoming uh, a Vinegar Syndrome fanboy, and especially any any 4K releases they do, I'm kind of just like, yeah, might I might pick that up. So, yeah, I mean, speaking of sponsors like Vinegar Syndrome, if you want to toss Brad a bone or you know, yeah. I'm, I'm Brad's friend, Trevor. Like I, I have a podcast too. Yeah, like, toss him some <laughs> money. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, I'll no, Brad. Not, don't, don't straight up ask for money. <laughs> no, because I'll invest it right back into them. I mean, it's just it's it's a good business advice. Yeah, you heard it. If if, if they, they give might... me fifty dollars, I will spend an extra two hundred towards them because it'll be like, man, that's so cool. They gave me money. Heck yeah, I'm gonna buy these. Well, you heard it. Uh, anybody from vinegar, vinegar syndrome who might be listening. Uh, sorry, I botched your name just then. Um, <laughs> go ahead and hit up uh, Brad on PayPal or something. Toss mm-hmm. him 50 bucks, see what happens. I've got a problem. <laughs> uh, and I want to encourage that problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have what I presume is a Lionsgate. No, it is not. It is from Vertical Entertainment Ooh. Out of Death uh, with Jamie King and... Of course, Bruce Willis, who is now one of the kings of the direct-to-video market. Uh, Scott Adkins is probably a little pissed off about that. Um, We have Blue Panther from 1965, and we have Catch the Bullet, which is a Lionsgate film from Mm -hmm. 2020. Um, Oh, shit. Peter Fascinelli and Tom Skerritt. 
Now those are both some names I have not heard in a long time. Long time. I didn't even know Tom Skerritt was still alive. I'm happy he is. <laughs> but yikes. He's back. Yikes. <laughs> catch Tom Skerritt is back, baby. <laughs> uh, we have something that is trying to borrow the marketing campaign of both The Grudge and The Ring in the form of Howling Village from Epic Pictures. Uh, unfortunately, the plot description doesn't really give us much info, so I don't even really know what that is, but the cover art is trying real hard. Uh, we have something called Masquerade from 2021. Uh, Hunters, also from 2021. Um, wow, that helmet looks like one that uh, somebody I used to play Airsoft with used to wear. <laughs> um, Could be the same helmet. It probably is. Um, we have Crazy Fist, which is a Haya exclusive, mm. which uh, stream is a streaming service for martial arts films. Uh, you would think, Brad, that this movie would be right up my alley. Unfortunately, I... Do I, I do in fact have standards, and this is below those standards. Um, I actually I had to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back. Um, when I looked at the cover art for this, I squinted and I said, "Is that Kai Green, like perennial runner up to the Mister Olympia competition, Kai Green?" Yes, it is, and he's doing martial arts movies in China now. So hopefully, he got paid. Um, <laughs> wow, wow. I don't I don't know that he has a martial arts background, but he is a gigantic human being. Mm-hmm. that usually looks pretty good on camera hey but yeah there's a market for that there's always a market for gigantic dudes <laughs> but um yeah i i couldn't i just can't be bothered to to watch uh crazy fist um nor do i have a haya uh subscription although maybe i should consider it uh being as it would probably save me quite a bit of money although as brad said about his vinegar syndrome habit I also have a problem. <laughs> so I don't make uh, fiscally sound decisions like that. Uh, so let's bounce on down to the next week here. We got uh, September 21st. Uh, right out the gate, we have uh, a big one. Uh, we have a 4K release of A Clockwork Orange, uh, Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange from 1971. Uh, Brad, do you think you might pick this one up? Yeah, I'll pick this one up eventually. I just feel bad because uh, it's been a while since I've watched the film. I don't think I ever watched my Blu-ray. Um, so I might need to... Maybe maybe I'll just watch the Blu-ray one time before buying the 4K to get at least one play out of it. Um, you know, you really start to question things and you're like, wow, that, so that was just a waste of money, essentially. Well, yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about uh, flipping or giving away discs, like, do you ever replace discs in your collection, or is it just what you got is what you got? Uh, surprisingly, I don't. I mean, I, I would maybe consider it, but the one thing that would hold me back is that the Blu-ray I have is a digibook for uh, Clockwork Orange. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool-looking digibook. I might want to hang out of that. And, uh, like, for example, I bought Dune on 4K. Looks great, but it doesn't come with a Blu-ray of the feature, so I'm going to hang on to my Dune Blu-ray because, you know, let's just say I want to go over to somebody's house and they ask me to bring Dune, and I just say, okay, you got a 4K player? And they say, no, I don't I don't have 4K. Well, then we'd be screwed unless I hang on to my Blu-ray as a, you know, a backup. All right, so it's a case-by-case kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I saw this movie uh, because Kyle had lent it to me. Uh, he owns the Blu-ray for this, and I did watch it um, not too long ago, probably 
two years ago, something like that. And I thought it was fantastic. Like it, it's, it's, it's a Stanley Kubrick film. Like it mm-hmm. has an attention to detail and an energy to it that's truly unique. Um, and yeah, it's it's a very uh, powerful, very resonant film on a lot of levels and on just a sheer technical level. Like the shots and the editing are incredibly impressive, no matter how you slice it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to own this particular movie. However, it's one of those movies I'm really glad that I I did take the time to watch it. Um, and then we have a 4K that I have to assume you're also going to be picking up probably immediately, Brad, if not already. Yeah, I've already got this one, yeah. Yeah, so this would be uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable from the year 2000, uh, featuring the director video king, Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah, and Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, uh, Brad makes no bones about the fact that he's a he's an M. Night Shyamalan guy. Like He, he, he will show up for M. Night. Yeah, and uh, I haven't kept up with his career uh, for the most part, but I I'm a defender, like I'm an ardent defender of him. Actually, like I I I'm glad that we have him. Not every not every pitch he he throws is going to be a strike. Like like not everything's going to be fantastic, but I just think it's cool that we have someone with such a very distinct style out there that seems to very carefully consider his projects. Oh yeah, like, like he. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like up, he still has yet to really do anything aside from Avatar that felt like it came out of left field. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, like everything else, it it's like you think about his reputation, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then there's Avatar, and it's just like, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> like... Yeah, the film that almost killed his entire career, but he 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 bounced, he found a way to bounce back. I mean, yeah, the did, guy doesn't stop. Did uh, he didn't direct Devil, did he? No, that was I think he co-wrote it or something. Yeah, and his produced his it. name. It was like uh, what they used to do with martial arts movies in the early two thousands, where they'd put like Quentin Tarantino presents uh, Ong Bak and yeah. stuff like that, and yeah. confuse the hell out of people. So he actually he didn't make it, and or like Nightmare Before Christmas, where it's like actually Tim Burton didn't direct that, but you know his name's on the box, so whatever. But I I, I remember when that came out, like people were really shitting on him. And then it's like if you dig just a little bit, not even a lot. Like if you dig just a little bit, just like place your blame elsewhere. Yeah. Although that movie really does tickle me in all the best of the ways. Like yeah, I I kind of love Devil for all the wrong reasons. Oh, it's it's a fun, stupid it's little fun. film. Yeah, it's it's criminally stupid. And um, you can still feel his influence on the film as well. Like absolutely, I think it takes place in uh, what Philadelphia, and uh, you know. Just uh, there's little things there where it's like, yeah, you can. He didn't direct this. You can you can tell he didn't direct it, but you can definitely tell he was involved. Oh, absolutely. It it does, it does have like his sheen on it. Mm-hmm. Like you can yeah. tell that his fingers touched it for sure. But ah, oh, man, devil <laughs> flipping the toast. And uh, for whatever reason, the presence of uh, Kevin James's mother from the King of Queens in the cast just just threw all tension out the window for me. I was like, is that Kevin James's mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the way she factors into the plot made it even better. I was like, that's just perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm glad you picked up Unbreakable because I know, like, I think most people generally like Unbreakable. Like, I I really enjoy Unbreakable Mm -hmm. quite a bit. And I think we just all have to, you know, anybody listening to this, I think I got to ask you to go out. We got to continue to buy these 
4Ks that are being put out by Disney because we have to encourage them because, you know, when Speed came out, now that was a uh, Fox title and now Disney owned it. And, you know, Disney hasn't been putting out a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, older titles on 4K. They've been putting out their newer stuff. But, uh, you know, when Speed came out on 4K, I was in like in Blu-ray.com in the forums and I were seeing people, they said they had connections, direct connections to Disney. They, they had an inside scoop that said Disney was very happy with uh, the sales for Speed 4K. So let's make them happy with the sales for Unbreakable 4K and just have them continue put out uh, great films in uh, just beautiful quality picture. Yeah. No, I mean that that's how this works is if if you open your wallet and they like they like the returns, you'll get more of it. So, yeah, I I I did pony up the cash for uh for speed. I still haven't watched it though cuz uh the girlfriend hasn't seen it and Ooh. whenever I get around to watching it, I'd like her to be in the room for it cuz yeah. that that's a personal favorite of mine. It's a fun one. Yeah. Um but something is not a personal favorite of mine is uh the release on 4K of F9 colon, The Fast Saga on 4k from 2021 uh, i just watched this the other day because i did in fact purchase this uh the di- i watched the director's cut in fact which f- fuck if i know what that means <laughs> uh, they've been slapping that tag on like all of these discs probably since like fast six or something mm. um yeah this was adequate like that's where we're at with this franchise now is like it's all just adequate like it's it's gotten to that mcu spot where it's just like it's fine it's it's not gonna knock your socks off in any way like even the the, even like the really easy like the baby bouncy like surefire home run moments they didn't quite get it out of the park Mm -hmm. or it's like the whole the whole fucking movie brad the the whole movie you have martin ford who's this uh british bodybuilder who's like i think he's like six eight or something uh, he's worked opposite Scott Adkins a couple of times. This is how I know who this person is, Brad. Okay. <laughs> so he's 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 been punched in the face by Scott Adkins a few times. He's in the entire movie. He's not allowed to speak. He just shows up and and is consistently the biggest person in the room. He spent the entire movie. It's it's like that Simpsons gag where where the little yakuza guy is on the lawn and Homer's just like he's being pulled away from all the fighting happening on the front lawn. He's like, oh, you know, the little guy's gonna do something cool. <laughs> And then you hear all these noises as soon as he leaves the room. It was like that, where it's like, oh, you know, the big guy's going to do something cool. And then they totally fuck it up and have him do nothing. Mm. And all these people are, I'm sorry to say, just too gosh darn old. Like, like this this franchise is losing its juice really, really fucking fast. And mm-hmm. it, it's also, like, sanitized in, in very strange ways. Like, I know, I've noticed, like, the, the sex appeal. I, I don't know if it's for, like, international sales or something. I I suspect that might be the case. Like, things have, are, are really tamed, like, by, by the standards set by earlier films of the franchise where it's mm-hmm. just, like, ass. Just, like, every scene cha- every scene transition is just, yeah. like, a sea of ass. <laughs> and this one, it's like, oh, no, we have a bunch of ladies in one scene, just one scene, but they're all in dresses. Like, mm-hmm. it, everything's covered. It's like, it's, it, no, you're like, <laughs> good point i didn't even yeah i didn't even think about that but you're right yeah yeah it, it like it's very chaste <laughs> for for something that's supposed to be like all aggro and speed and you know mm-hmm. it, it it's very dull like it, it it needs an injection of new blood or it needs to call it quits and 
all credit to them i i if they put a 10 on the poster of that of that next one like i think that's amazing i think that's tremendous just to be brazen like that and just be like fuck you we made 10 of these things and you went to see them yeah like i want them to do that just so they can say they did that but i think i'm about done like yeah, I I don't know if there's any juice left to squeeze from this. I haven't really been much of a fan since the seventh one. I think uh, five, six, and seven that was when they were at their peak, and I think it's kind of been downhill since. Um, but you know, it's still worth watching. I think like there's still some moments that are uh, fun. Like I I do like the ridiculous action. It's just like I don't know if I, I feel like it's just there's not. The, the ridiculous action is not as memorable or as tight as it used to be, and uh, yeah, I, I was I was kind of disappointed in this one. Yeah, I think tight is the the right word to use because like I I was heaping praise on the sixth film for like the storyboarding of that and the stunt coordination in in some of the sequences in that movie, especially the finale on the plane. Mm-hmm. Like they pull, they pull the hardest of tricks where it's like, we have three parties of people performing actions parallel to each other in different places in the geography. And somehow it's all cohesive and all engaging and, and all fun. Whereas this, this one was just like, bleh. like it, it felt rushed and it felt like a lot of people were disengaged. Like, like, they found excuses to like make certain characters just fade into the background and just be non-elements or we made sure that everybody's driving more than usual in in our driving franchise so it's like well we couldn't get michelle rodriguez that day it's like well do we have a can we like animate a car with like like a cgi bobblehead of her in it or something it's like yeah we can do that it's like, <laughs> like great we still have a movie yeah. <laughs> but uh, moving on we have a uh, breakdown uh, a Paramount Presents release of Breakdown. Those are numbered, so I don't know if Brad has bought into the Paramount Presents uh, ecosystem, but uh, not not entirely. I, I own some of them, but uh, there, there's too many to buy them all. Thankfully, yeah, this is a fun movie. It's a Kurt Russell film. Uh, it's a it's a fun, slow stakes thriller, uh, which unfortunately most of those movies end up in your red box these days. Uh, but in the 90s, man, we had a lot of these kinds of movies, and they were all great. Like, they're they're like a warm blanket. Like, on, on certain days, it's like, it's just what you want, where it's like, I don't want characters saving the world. I just want, like, some guy to look for his wife and, like, punch a mm-hmm. few rednecks while he's at it or something. Now, it's a fun one. Uh, I saw it a long time ago, but I wouldn't mind rewatching it. Yeah, I'd like to uh, check it out. Uh, we have a Vestron video release of Dementia 13 director's cut now brad this is an ecosystem that he has bought into i brad collects all of the vestron video releases i I assume you've already picked this one up or you're going to yep i've already got this one um this is directed by francis ford coppola it was his first film um and uh yeah i'm I, i don't know if the director's cut has ever been available widely or available at all so there's some, uh, you know, intrigue there, and uh, I've never seen the film in general, so I'm, I'm curious to check it out just because of the Francis Ford Coppola thing. And this is like the perfect movie to watch uh, around Halloween time, because if you're trying to do the thing where if you're going to watch 31 horror movies throughout October, you're going to run into the days where you just you don't have time to squeeze in a film. 
So you pop in Dementia 13, the director's cut, 69 minutes. I mean, boom, perfect, beautiful. Short run time, in and out. There, you got one more movie down. You're good. You're golden. Yeah, I mean, you could carve a pumpkin before it's over, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Beside that, we have a 4K release of Cruella on 4K. Now, you did re- review this. Was this one you did with your gal? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the one we uh, reviewed together, yep. Yeah, uh, your review made it sound like, like some fun. Yeah, uh, I had a good time have, with it. I haven't bothered with it just yet, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if if my girlfriend wants to watch it at some point. Uh, I know Emma Stone is a selling point, so mm-hmm. um, it kind of came out of nowhere, although I shouldn't say that being as the, the Disney villainous uh, franchise, I guess, <laughs> like seems to be a recurring element in their live-action catalog, um, but... Yeah, uh, can't kind of came out of nowhere for me anyway. But um, we have the longest yard from two thousand five. Jeez, <laughs> um, we have Straight Time from nineteen seventy eight, The Naked Spur from nineteen fifty three, and then <laughs> I love the marketing campaign for this. The the cover art. Uh, it's the movie is called Bird on Wire from nineteen ninety. However, the largest text on the cover art is just Mel and Goldie. <laughs> and now I want to see this, Brad. That's <laughs> all you need to sell it. Yeah, Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn. Shit, I'll watch that <laughs> in 1990. Fuck yes. Like, Mel Gibson sporting the the, the Lethal Weapon 3 mullet, like the big mullet. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie, but I would most certainly watch it just based on the cover art. Uh, we also have Necessary Roughness from 1991, which is a sports comedy that... Got a lot of play in our neighborhood. I know that much. Um, mm. I think my brother actually suggested it as a future episode down the line. Um, we have Dead, we- Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is a Steve Martin film I'm not familiar with from 1982. Uh, who else is in this? Rachel Ward, Humphrey Bogart, Kirk Douglas, Burt Lancaster, oh. Carl Reiner. Wow. Got some gold, good old-timey names in there. Yeah, I'd only heard of this one really when it was uh, announced by Kino that it was coming out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know too much about it either. I, I would most certainly watch this. Uh, I don't think Kyle is a big Steve Martin fan, but um, at one point, like, like I, I think I still am a Steve Martin guy. Like, I, I like him. I, I was raised on a lot of his movies. In fact, I just picked up a Blu-ray of uh, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, which is something we'll be reviewing next month. So, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, we have the Crocodile Dundee Trilogy, which is misnamed because there are more than three of these films as far as I know. Is um, that including the very excellent Mr. Dundee? Is that what... Because uh... I think there's only three main ones, aren't there? Yeah, but the very excellent Mr. Dundee, isn't that part of the chronology, Brad? I don't... Okay, isn't, <laughs> isn't it he plays... Paul Hogan plays himself in that, I believe? I don't know, Brad. <laughs> All I know is that something Dundee related came out fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very curious to watch that new one. Very curious. I mean, these movies were a big hit. There's a reason we got three of them. Uh, wow. I did not. I did not realize the third one came out in 2001. I thought it was really? much earlier. Wow. I would. Yeah. I would have said much earlier as well. I mean, I'm baffled, but yeah, of course, like. I remember seeing these when I was really little. I don't remember them at all, but but everybody was kind of about it for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we got a couple of Criterion releases back to back. We have Love and Basketball from the year 2000, um, and Throwdown, which is, I believe, a Johnny Toe film. Um, I've heard very, very good things about both of these. However, I have not seen either of them, uh, nor am I in a hurry to pick up either of them. However, as I said, they both have stellar reputations. Uh, Blue Chips, Brad, is this a new release? Or has this been around? I think it's new. I because I remember seeing this cover before, but I think I saw when it was announced. Could be that's wrong. That's shocking. That's kind of shocking because this movie is beloved in a lot of circles. It's a Paramount release and it's directed by William Friedkin. Um, oh and I, shit! Yeah. Oh shit! Is right. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. No, I've I've heard very very good things about this film. Uh, I haven't seen it personally, but. Uh, you got Nick Nolte and I believe a very very young Shaq, um, and yeah, I've heard it's very very good. And William Friedkin is most certainly a selling point uh, for anybody who is interested in film. Yeah, or uh, I also recommend instead of watching Blue Chips, um, you can watch uh, you know still a great film but much shorter. Go on YouTube and watch the video of uh, Shaquille O'Neal attempting to stage dive after one of his recent DJ sets. And uh, the crowd immediately uh, dropping him. It's, oh, it's, good uh, God. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're done, Brad. Yeah. They try to catch him, and they hold him in the air for about a second, and then he's on the ground. <laughs> Shaq is a ridiculous human being. Like, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'll, I've been saying this all night, apparently. I'm, I'm really glad that we have Shaq. Oh, yeah. It, it just makes me happy to know that Shaq is out there somewhere. <laughs> I love how Shaq is like seamlessly transitioned to becoming the the product shilling guy. Like like he's the spokesman. Like mm-hmm. every product under the sun, Shaq will sell it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shaq was selling me toner the other day. <laughs> he sells me pizza, he sells me toner, he sells me like adhesive tape to hang TVs off of my wall. <laughs> he sells me projector screens. Yeah. <laughs> he's the man. He's yeah, he's going to be president, Brad. I'm calling it now. Shaq, Shaq will be president eventually. Give him enough time. He might be on to something. He'll figure it out. He's Shaq. <laughs> he figures everything out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have Puffin stuff from 1970. Wow. Uh, I wasn't aware of this. So um, there was a children's television show called HR Puffin Stuff uh, that I am familiar with. Um, I presume this is either... I think it's a film. Yeah, it's a full full length film based on the television series. Uh, this is well before either of our times, Brad. But um, my brother had this CD back in the day called uh, Saturday Morning Cartoons. I think it was a bunch of '90s bands, uh, like contemporary '90s bands, uh, performing the opening theme songs uh, from like children's television cartoons and stuff, like including like the Ren and Stimpy theme, like they did the log song, I think. No, uh, they did Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. And then like one of them did an instrumental of uh, the Johnny Quest theme. And then there was my very favorite, uh, Hong Kong Fooey. Um, and through this album, I learned a lot about 70, obscure 70s cartoons. And H.R. Puffin stuff is not a cartoon. It's like a puppet show. But one of the bands did the H.R. Puffin stuff theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I 
flip through the the cover booklet and everything and i was like what the fuck is the satire post <laughs> um but yeah uh, apparently there's a feature-length film based on the television series that i was not aware of um we have masquerade from 1988 with rob lowe meg tilly and kim cattrall again very sexy cast uh we have haunt from 2019 which i believe has been released previously yeah uh i i truly adore the cover art for golden needles uh which is a kino lorber release uh starring joe don baker buford pusser himself and jim kelly the the tennis player with the fro that sometimes does kung fu i kind of want this shit brad (laughs) golden needles folks look it up yeah uh, we got Boys from County Hell from 2021. This is a Shutter exclusive. Brad, have you uh, has this popped up on your radar at all? Oh, I've seen it on there. Haven't checked it out yet. Um, among many things, I, I believe it is a horror comedy. Which uh, not that I dislike horror comedies, but uh, a little bit of a tougher sell for me. I feel like the market might be slightly saturated for those. Like yeah. we've been getting a lot of those over the years, and the problem with comedy is that it takes good writing and a lot of low budget productions don't have access to that (laughs) well i mean hey this one is certified fresh oh shit that means a lot brad uh (laughs) speaking of certified fresh and shutter originals we also have violation from 2020 uh is this one known to you this one might not be known to me at all, I have to be honest. So uh Awesome, move on. <laughs> we have The Vigil from 2020. Um I think I think I remember you talking about this previously. Am I wrong on that? Either you're wrong or I'm losing it cuz I don't recognize this at all. Well, I'll read the premise real quick. Uh this is also certified fresh by the way, but it's not a shutter, it's a Shout Factory disc. Uh a man providing overnight watch to a deceased member of his former Orthodox Jewish community finds himself opposite a malevolent entity. I forget who it was I heard speak of this, but the premise was very intriguing to them, as is as it is to me as well. I mean, I'm yeah, I definitely have not seen this. I well, maybe I should. Maybe I don't I think you've seen. Check. I don't think you've seen it, Brad. But I wouldn't be surprised if you like mentioned it. At some okay, point. that that is very much a possibility. Yeah. No, I I don't remember you reviewing it, but um. Anyway, it, the premise sounded interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Resident Alien season one uh, with Alan Tudyk. Uh, I'm sure somebody out there is jizzing their pants over that because his fans are rabid. Uh, <laughs> we have Macho Callahan. Uh, don't know what that is it appears to be a western a uh, skullduggery from 1970 with burt reynolds holy shit uh, it appears to have uh the little caveman guy from uh the land of the lost in it <laughs> the whole family of them yeah um I, <laughs> I i actually know of a different movie called skullduggery so i was actually genuinely shocked i was like Hang on, that's not the skullduggery I know. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, the one I know is, like, based around Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, This I don't think this, I don't think Burt Reynolds would be in one of those. <laughs> what are you nerds doing? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be out of there so fast. Or actually, he'd be the bully on this set. Yeah. Like, I'd love to see the making of that skullduggery. Just Burt, Burt Reynolds was such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, may um, he may he rest in peace. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, was, yeah, that's that sucks. We lost both Burt Reynolds and the greatest impressionist of Burt Reynolds, Norm Macdonald. Yeah, I loved his impression of Burt Reynolds. That that always made me laugh. His his timing was impeccable. Oh yeah, Norm <laughs> Norm Macdonald is amazing. Yeah, I I miss that guy. Yeah. I'm gonna have to rewatch uh, Dirty Work right yeah. after we're done. Yeah, that that Still. one that one hit me harder than most. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are in the same boat where it's yeah. like, yeah, it, like I wasn't thinking of him every day, but now that I'm aware of that, it's like, dang, I actually feel bad. <laughs> I don't think a like, day's gone by where I haven't thought of him now that he, after he's passed. Yeah, it's like the one guy who really genuinely didn't want you to care about him, you actually cared about yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got some television releases. Uh, we have Lady of the Manor from 2021. Um. Anything else for the rest of the week jumping out at you, Brad? No, I think that about covers it for that week. Awesome. Let's move on. Uh, there is a release of The Beast from Arrow from 1975. I only point out because it's an Arrow. Uh, but let's b- bound down down to the final week of September. That would be September 28th. And uh, our first <laughs> our first release in the queue is A Night at the Opera. Uh, from the Warner Archive, which is from 1935, and this appears to be a Marx Brothers film. Uh, I'm sure that's a lot of fun. I've seen some of their old stuff, and it's it has that like universal quality of fun to it. Yeah, it just it, like yeah. it doesn't matter how much time passes; it's always going to be entertaining on some level. Yeah, I got to get into the Marx Brothers because I don't think I've seen any of their films. I know I'd love them; they'd be right up my alley. Yeah, me too. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of their stuff, but it's it's fun i think i've i think i'm a little bit more well versed in like buster keaton but charlie chaplin's also one that i'd like to check out as well mm-hmm. um but uh we also have a 4k release of children of the corn uh from 1984 and uh i believe this was initially a television movie but its legacy is so so long in the tooth that you would be be hard pressed to remember that little factoid mm. uh, because this is one of those this is one of those land before time situations where it's like we had that first one and you may have stopped caring but somebody somebody hung around for decades because i don't know how many children of the corn films there are but it is nuts how many sequels they made for this i would love to watch them all at some point just to marathon them um, I'm a little sour about this release, first of all, because I did very soon before this was announced on 4K, I bought the film on Blu-ray through Arrow, um, which sucked, and I think that was the one, <laughs> I think that was also where I bought it and it came in a blue case instead of the normal clear case, Oh. so I ended up having to buy a replacement case. For the, so now I've bought a replacement case and a Blu-ray, and now it's out on 4K. Could have avoided the whole. So I'm pissed about that. Also, um, I'm not region-free, uh, but uh, that UK version of Arrow, I don't think on 4K, but they're also putting out in region B, uh, Children of the Corn 2 and 3, um, which I've never seen and I, I would like to see. Um, but unfortunately region a only gets the, uh, well, I guess, you know, 4k is region free anyway, but us in the States, we only get the 4k version. Yeah. I don't know how many sequels there are to this franchise, but as I've disclosed on previous episodes with you, Brad, like I'll, I'll watch some direct to video sequels. Oh yeah. If you make it, 
I'll, I'll show up. Like, if you give me a reason to show up, I, I will. Like, I, I hung around with Bloodsport through four. Like, it's <laughs> like, I've hung around with Tremors up until that one, the snow that Brad and I still haven't seen, but definitely will at some point. Oh, we'll get to it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't actually mind marathoning the Children of the Corn. Yeah. If you want to make that a project, count me in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, because I actually haven't seen any of them. I, I, I know this first one doesn't have a good reputation. I don't know that any of them have a good reputation, but I, I think both this and the Puppet Master movies, I would watch all of those mm-hmm. just because, like, not because I think they're good, not not because I expect anything from them, just because there's so goddamn many of them, and it's yeah. just funny to me that they exist. It's just, it's fascinating to see how a, a franchise like this evolves over so many films. That That's what intrigues me, I think. Yeah, yeah, there, there is something to be said for, like, the low-stakes game of, of low-budget filmmaking. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm sure even in the direct-to-video market, they probably turn a profit. Oh, for and sure. Be- and because the budgets are low, that's when you get to see some, some weird, hokey shit. Like, you get to see some really harebrained decision-making on the set. And sometimes it's really fun, actually. Yeah. Like, like you'll, you, you'll be very surprised at, at how decent some of these shitty direct-to-video sequels can end up being Mm -hmm. yeah i do i do enjoy the first children of the corn it's the only one i've seen um but i do uh it's not amazing or anything but i do enjoy it i've seen it several times and uh yeah just uh i'm pissed about now that i own it on blu-ray and it's on 4k now but what can you do that's life it's life (laughs) you always have to be prepared that it could be coming out on 4k you've got to be prepared you you don't have to have an answer now, Brad, but maybe a project or something would be like favorite Stephen King adaptations because there are so many of them, mm-hmm. and I know we all have our favorites. I'd just be curious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mine would probably be not a very exciting answer, but I I would probably say The Shining would be my number one. It'd be more like, what is your number three? Like that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, I mean, The Shining is pretty hard to top. Um, I guess you could come back with the argument that it's it is a Stephen King film but it's also one that's like it's a loose adaptation it's mm-hmm. it's more of a Kubrick product than a Stephen King product um but yeah in terms of like just quality of filmmaking yeah <laughs> fuck off fuck off <laughs> it's like no the television version of it <laughs> that's my favorite that's the best Stephen King adaptation that's ever been made I'd be maybe it could that could crack the top 10 could crack the top 10 maybe I mean, top ten's fine yeah. because there's a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of shit out there. But, but yeah, that I that's something that I I've kicked I've kicked around for a while now because mm-hmm. I I I used the the phrase earlier. It's like a warm blanket. Like it, those movies are very cozy. And yeah, a lot of it just comes down to his his style of storytelling. It's it's a very welcoming format. A Stephen King month for it. you guys would be pretty interesting because it could cover a whole whole range of genres you know yeah i it would be it would be interesting but um i don't know how on board kyle would be i know he i know the shining would be something he'd definitely want to tackle he is between the two of us he's he is the kubrick guy like he loves stanley kubrick Mm -hmm. but um but no we have something different for this october but maybe sometime down the line so we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> but um, moving on, we have a 4K release, a Shout Factory release of Transformers the Movie from 1986. Uh, I've talked so many times about this movie, it's it's become very old at this point. So I'll just say I already own this. 
I, I picked up the Steelbook last month, uh, which I'm not a big fan of Steelbooks, but it was the first version that was available, so I grabbed it immediately uh, because this movie is my childhood in, in celluloid. Um, and I did watch it. Uh, the color grading on it is strange. Uh, I've never seen Hot Rod look that pink before. Uh, traditionally, he is red. Um, I don't know what what that's supposed to represent. Maybe that's what the original film press of it was. Um, never seen it look like that before, but the picture quality is very, very good. Uh, the aspect ratio is strange because I think the movie was actually presented in like four by three and originally or something. Uh, so they, they like, it's, it's wonky. Uh, so I don't know if the 4k is going to be my preferred way of viewing the film going forward, uh, because the, the stretching of the image or the, like hmm. the zooming in, yeah. um, as well as fucking hot rod being pink or magenta or whatever <laughs> it is distracting it's like imagine that brad like seeing a movie like your entire life like all 30 plus years of your of your time on earth and then all of a sudden hang on that guy's a different color <laughs> really makes you question things yeah that's i i mean speak topical i, I just watched uh, rewatched uh in the mouth of madness uh, which of course plays around with the idea of reality being very flexible um, very fun John Carpenter movie if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a fun one. I, I've always enjoyed it. I, I picked up the Scream Factory disc of it a long time ago, and I just I just now watched it. But it was a it was a very pleasant rewatch for me. Yeah, I think I have that disc too. I think. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, we have a Arrow release of uh, a movie that I, I don't know if Kyle has seen, but I know it's long been on his to-do list. Uh, Ridley Scott's Legend from 1985. Now, I presume this is going to be a double dip. I presume they have plans to do a 4K of this, being as the entire reputation of the film is solely based around its visual appeal and nothing to do with anything else. You got it, my friend. This is a perfect (laughs) example of Arrow's not going to get me again. I'm not getting this on Blu-ray, I tell you that much. Um, Especially, I believe this uh, was uh, scanned in, like, uh, in 4K, um, like a 4K scan. So definitely seems to point that yeah they're gonna they're gonna double dip on this one especially because arrow has been doing lots of double dips lately um and i think some people were a little a little peeved at arrow the fact that this came out on blu-ray only and it just seemed like man you know why why i don't know why only put it out on blu-ray because it's just they were assuming that it's going to be a double dip and then people are going to be pissed so who knows? I mean, they might not do that, but they've been doing a lot of that lately. So, uh, yeah, I uh, probably won't pick this up, even though I've never seen the film and I'd love to watch it. But sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I have to assume a 4K is on the way just because, like I said, literally the only selling point of the movie is its visuals. Yeah. Like, like it, the story is just shit. Like there's nothing going on. The performances are fine, but in terms of the story that's being told, it's all just noise it's all just like fluff uh, tim curry is phenomenal as always um the gal from uh ferris bueller I, I always forget her name she's in there as well um and of course you got very young tom cruise very young tom cruise uh, this is pre-top gun um 
but yeah this is a ridley scott doing a fantasy film as far as i know i don't remember if it has source material that's based off of but the the narrative element of the film is super flimsy um but if all you're look if all you're interested in is like absolutely stunning visuals like gorgeous shots incredible sets incredible costuming and makeup yeah you're gonna have a good time like I, i've seen it not mm-hmm. in a hurry to rewatch it but it's one of those discs that I, I could see myself picking up on 4K just as a as eye candy, I guess. Yeah, my my guess, my prediction is 2023, sometime in 2023, because I feel like the, even they are like they would know not to put it out in 2022, like within like a year of putting it out on Blu-ray on 4K. Like I think they'll at least they'll give it at least a year and a half, two year buffer. Yeah, maybe uh, Ridley Scott will have another film in the pipe by then. Because he's got yeah. his, uh, he's got his latest film coming out very shortly, actually. Yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that's coming out. The House of Gucci or whatever. Uh, the Duelist, some the last Duelist or something. Oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah. He did he direct that? I think you're right. Oh yeah, he he most certainly did. I I remember because I was remarking to Kyle that uh, it, it seems interesting because I've never seen it personally, but his very first film is simply called the duelists mm-hmm. and it's like wow come full circle like it part of me wants to say it's like oh are we getting to the end here like, <laughs> like so he, he got to hang it up he's got two movies coming out this year then wow yeah. that's nuts that doesn't happen very often yeah the house of gucci is supposed to be big oscar i mean i'm sure the last duel could potentially be as well but it's got uh just Jared Leto in a very transformative performance. Uh, you don't say, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll get a makeup nomination because he, uh, they really went all out in on making him look like a overweight, balding, middle-aged man. Uh, does it have the same makeup technician, the Japanese guy from Bombshell involved? I don't know. I don't know who actually did it. Okay, because he, he seems to have a knack for gobbling up these award nominations. <laughs> it's probably him. It's probably him. It's probably him. I just have to assume. He does good work. Yeah. Phenomenal work, yeah. in fact. But yeah, Jared Leto in another transformative performance. As you've never seen him before. Um but yeah, Legend, I I'm not gonna be picking up this Blu-ray, but if they uh they end up putting out four K, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I'll toss some money on. Uh we have a very interesting release that I might actually pick up. Uh, so this is a Vinegar Syndrome disc of Den- WNUF Halloween Special. Um, I Do you know anything about this, Brad? Yeah, it's uh, actually, it's one of their new partner labels, Terror Vision. And uh, <laughs> I, maybe you know more about it than I do. I don't, but uh, from what I understand, it's made to look like a sort of cable access or public access um, Halloween special where we follow this reporter and camera crew going into a haunted house or something for a, you know a, a goofy Halloween time and then I assume I haven't read too much into exactly what happens but I assume like shit will hit the fan um, one kind of cool thing about this is that it actually features uh, fake vintage commercials in the special so it actually does feel like you're watching a television broadcast from whatever the eighties that this would have taken place. Um, so yeah, this seems like I'd, I'd really enjoy this. I might gen. Yeah. I might pick this up as well before even the, uh, vinegar syndrome sale because, uh, I mean, you gotta watch it in October, right? I mean, why else would you pick it up? So, 
I mean, that would be appropriate. But yeah, yeah it, sound, it sounds like you know about as much as I do. But this this premise sounds right up your alley from what I from what I know. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, you definitely should check this one out. I was really excited to see this one pop up in their catalog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, and then another one that you had tipped me off to um, that is popping up in their catalog is a uh, Resurrection from 1999. Uh, the reason why this came up was uh, Brad and I were talking about Russell Mulcahy uh, on our most recent Tales from the Shelf episode, and this is a, I guess, a little bit of a forgotten film uh, at a funky point in his filmography. Uh, he wasn't doing so hot post Highlander 2, The Quickening, uh, so he would take in whatever he could get, I guess. But this reunited him with uh, Christopher Lambert, uh, and this is a Vinegar Syndrome release. It's apparently a little bit of like a Saw knockoff, but it's a Russell Mulcahy film, so you know, at least from a visual standpoint, it will be it will be a handsomely ugly film. Um, so uh, I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, I like I actually do have a very soft spot for Christopher Lambert. I don't know why. Like I don't think he's good. He's just weird. Yeah. He just, yeah. He just has that weird, like pseudo French accent. Like it's so muddy. It's so muddled. That's like, you aren't from anywhere in particular, <laughs> Mister Lambert. You're just from far away, yeah. <laughs> as that guy, as Lars would say in Heavyweights. <laughs> but, but yeah, I might actually pick this up because, like I said, both of those people are selling points for me, and this is not a film that I've seen of theirs. Um. But then we also have Devil Story, which uh, not the biggest fan of that particular cover art. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I have heard this movie. I believe it is a French film. I want to say, or yeah, I think it's French. Yeah, 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 yeah. Based I, on the names, I've just heard that it uh, it's wild. That's all I. I mean, I don't know too much about the story or anything, but I just heard. It's a crazy one, um, and it seemed like people were pretty excited when this one was announced. Okay, so it's got it's got some reputation. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it it doesn't look up my alley, but you know, could be a lot of fun depending on what mood you're in. Uh, beside that, we have a 4K release of The Forever Purge from 2021. I feel obligated to pick this one up just because I own the other four movies. Uh, I picked up one of those dreaded box like single case box sets that brad absolutely despises um but and none of i don't think any of the purge films are are truly excellent but it it has kind of that saw vibe to it where it's just like it's just kind of neat that they keep it going yeah like i i admire the fact that they're trying to keep the the same narrative rolling along like limping along i guess Mm -hmm. because it's very flimsy at best yeah but uh you, did you end up seeing this one? Yeah, uh, I saw this one. I think I enjoyed it. I don't remember a ton, but I think, you know, it kind of was just like, I don't want to say it was more of the same because I actually think it was a little little different, but just in terms of, like, level of quality, it was, like, kind of exactly what you would expect. Um, you know, it was it was okay. It was watchable. You know, slightly above average from what you would expect of the genre, I guess. Just uh, not outstanding. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm. I'm not in a hurry to check it out. Am, am I mistaken, Brad? Did I? Did I see Josh Lucas in the trailer? Yeah, he's in it. Yep. God, that that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Except on what the the audio commercials for the Home Depot or Lowe's or one of those. I think it's the Home Depot. Oh, is that him? I'm almost positive. He has a particular. Is it timber or timbre? 
his voice. I gotta listen. Okay, I gotta listen to those more carefully now. I, I'm almost positive. I could I could be wrong. Like I, I totally could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that's him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, he he was one of those guys that he and Bradley Cooper most certainly were in the same casting offices, and Bradley Cooper just got got all that he wanted. And yeah. poor Josh Lucas had to head into the the voice recording booth to do those Home Depot ads. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Bradley Cooper's you know heading into like Oscar territory. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's still working good for him. But yeah, I'll, I'll I'll end up watching this. I'll probably end up like picking it up. I'm not paying fourteen dollars for this, Brad. This has to be like nine nine ninety nine or lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm we'll see. We'll see what the prices are on Black Friday. This I I could maybe pop at 14. We'll see. All right. Well, I there's a used media store that I frequent in the university district around here in Seattle that if I find it there and it's $9 or cheaper and they they're actually very kind with their pricing. They they would do that with a movie like The Forever Purge. If I see it like that, I I will pick it up and I'll let you know. Mhm. Um Beside that, we have a release that I'm I'm interested to run this by Kyle. I'd, I'd be curious to know if he'd be intrigued about this. Uh, this is The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is a Kino disc from 1923. Uh, this is uh, the Lon Chaney uh, version of the story. Uh, I'd be curious if Kyle would be interested in seeing this, because like, every once in a while he's really into this antiquated cinema, and you know, Lon Chaney was kind of like the, the makeup effects wizard of his day. Uh, so I'd, I'll have to run that by him because that's a surprising release. Um, we have uh, Melvin Van Peebles' Essential Films from the Criterion Collection. This is five different movies. Uh, this is unfortunate timing, I guess, uh, or maybe fortunate. Uh, he very recently passed away, like within a week, I think. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, I'm sure conspiracy theorists are going nuts over this, uh, you know with the release of his, uh, you know, Criterion set here. Not that he wasn't uh, 89 years old already. I mean, <laughs> he, he lived a very full life. It's, yeah. just, it's just unfortunate that, you know, with like within a week of his passing, this comes out. It's like, oh, man, that would have been kind of cool to be able to show Grandpa Van Peebles like, hey, look what the Criterion collection did for you. Hopefully they gave him an advanced copy. Yeah, that would have been cool. I, I hope that's the case. But yeah, he's a beloved filmmaker of his day. Uh, I unfortunately haven't seen any of his work, but now that he's passed away, it make incentivizes me further to maybe take a peek. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but we also have another Criterion release of, uh, I'm not going to lie, Brad, this cover art's pretty fucking bitching. Uh, <laughs> I do like it a lot. The Damned from 1969. This appears to be, it has an a Italian director. Um, and I'm just going to read the description real quick. In the wake of Hitler's ascent to power, the wealthy industrial industrialist uh, von Essenbeck family and their associates, including the scheming social climber Friedrich, the incestuous matriarch Sophie, and the perversely cruel heir Martin, descend into a self-destructive spiral of decadence, greed, perversion, and all-consuming hatred as they vie for power over the family business and over one another. That sounds risque. Uh, for 1969 in particular yeah uh, i dig it <laughs> i'll have to let kyle know about that one <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, we also have Midnight from 1982. This is a Severin Films, uh, John Russo's Midnight, by the way. This is a Severin Films disc. Uh, not known to me. Yeah, I don't know too much about it. But interesting cover art. I, I wouldn't say I like it, but it's it's eye-catching, I guess, in that like like walking the aisles in the VHS horror section kind of way. Uh, oh, we yeah. have another... Uh, Vinegar Syndrome release, Shallow Grave from 1984. And with a title like that, I feel like I should know this movie by reputation, and yet I don't think I do. I feel like there's been... Isn't uh, the Danny Boyle movie called Shallow Grave? Or am I... Is that a different title? That does sound really familiar. Yeah, I think they might just... I think you're thinking of a better film called Shallow Grave. Yeah, it's one of those titles. I'm yeah. sure there are at least five westerns by that title from many different countries. But uh, we also have Blades uh, from Vinegar Syndrome from 1989. Blades, I'm curious about. It's uh, This one, I believe, is a horror comedy, but it's basically like, I think it's a killer who kills people with a lawnmower on a golf course, or else it's the lawnmowers come to life and start killing people. Either way... Basically, people getting run over by lawnmowers on golf courses sounds like a lot of fun to me. Oh, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how that one turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have The Fourth Victim from 1971, also a Severin disc. Uh, We have Commando Ninja from ETR Media. What else have they put out? This is a 2018 release. I actually remember the Kickstarter for this thing, and I remember being intrigued because, like, it was a. It was like it had that Kung Fury vibe, but it only difference is Kung Fury is made by immensely talented people who like put in overtime hours to make that thing fucking work. And this one just doesn't seem to have the heart and soul that that one did. So I I didn't open my wallet for that, but it I guess it's out. Um, I I was intrigued initially, but now I've kind of softened and I'm just not interested anymore. Um. We have a re-release of Clue the Movie, uh, which is a movie that uh, I, I catch a lot of flack for not having seen. Ooh, um, yeah. It, it's, it's a bit of a, a hole in my, uh, my cinematic diet that I, I really need to fill in because, uh, yeah, apparently I'm missing out on a lot of really fun in-jokes on that one. Um, we have Debbie Does Dallas, part two, uh, from Vinegar Syndrome as well. Uh, we have... Uh, folks at home we don't talk about anime releases too often on catching up on blu-ray because there are just so many goddamn anime releases from week to week like literally there are like a dozen of them every week on the calendar um and i'm so far out of the loop that i just can't be bothered to keep track of all of it nor do i really know what's important and what's not so i don't really highlight too much of it but i will say uh robotech part one the macross saga comes out um and in fact, an entire box set of all of Robotech is also to be released on the 28th uh, from Funimation Entertainment. Uh, Robotech was kind of a big deal to a lot of people of a certain age group. Um, it's a infamous, well, I guess not infamous, but it's a famous example of like Power Rangering something where they took, I think, three different Japanese animated shows. They took the animation from them, smashed it all together, and then rewrote the script in english and created an entirely unique product that has since gone on to carry its own legacy while bearing the aesthetics of three other unique properties that all have their own so it's just it's this frankenstein's monster 
that should not be like <laughs> its heart should not pump blood to its brain and yet it continues to exist um but yeah it really grabbed a lot of people uh from a certain age range uh so it has a very long lasting legacy it's very beloved um i wasn't there on the ground floor for it obviously because it came out in 1985 before i was born Mm. um but the legacy of it is is vast um such that i actually kind of am interested in checking it out um we have illustrious corpses from 1976 that's kind of interesting cover art uh, it has a very 70s vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, I dig it. it. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, we have A Day of Judgment from 1981. Uh, Lucky Luciano from 1973. That man is being shot, uh, although he appears to be dead already. <laughs> um, the Sparks Brothers from 2021. Uh, what is this? This is a, a new documentary uh, directed by Edgar Wright uh, about uh, the Sparks Brothers, who are like a musical duo. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, Edgar Wright trying his hand at a musical documentary. I don't know much about Sparks. Um, like, I can't say I'm a fan of their music. I, I, I've heard a few of their songs. But, uh, yeah, from what I've heard, it's a pretty good doc. Um, I might try and check it out. I mean, Edgar Wright involved in a music documentary seems kind of, I mean, forgive the pun, right. Uh, because I mean, the man does really seem to have an affinity for music. Like music seems to speak to him on some sort of deep level. Cause it, it always does play a part in how his films are constructed. Um, so maybe, maybe this duo like means something to him in particular, but, yeah. uh, interesting timing, uh, being as his, his next feature is due out very soon as well. Yeah. Yeah. Synergy. Synergy. Connections. Revolutions. Um, we have a three from hell on 4k uh from lionsgate um was this out on 4k previously brad i don't think it was out on 4k i could be wrong but i think it was only blu-ray until now yeah a surprising release um but you know the rob zombie crowd they (laughs) they know who they are and uh they'll, they'll probably gobble this up uh, we have Psycho Sisters from 1998. That cover art is atrocious, although it does remind me of a certain point in time. Where it's like, yeah, it has that like Clarissa explains it all kind of look to it, which is strange being as the movie's actually from 1998 and Clarissa was from considerably earlier than that. But it has that like ugly 90s graphic design look to it uh, that does kind of tickle me on some level. I'm sure it's absolute shit. Um, and beside that, we do have an anime release that I will highlight uh, because uh, we actually reviewed part of this saga <laughs> uh, on Catching Up on Cinema for the uh, now defunct Anime August. Uh, Kyle put the kibosh on Anime August. Uh, he had had enough of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as I know, we're not doing that again. Um, but uh, we have Fatal Fury, uh, the OVA collection. Um which is, of course, based on the SNK arcade game series of the same name. Uh, We reviewed the motion picture because I figured, you know, the story's not terribly important. Anyway, I can just throw Kyle in on the deep end of this and uh, he'll figure it out. He didn't figure it out. And, uh, (laughs) like, we we got a decent episode out of it. But um, I've always loved Fatal Fury, the games, and these animations uh, directed by Masami Obari. Um, They're they're not fantastic like even from a pure animation standpoint they're not even that great to look at but if you're a fan of the video games and you're a fan of the characters that's that's enough 
Um, so I, I saw these when I was very young, like very late at night on the sci-fi network, like on the sci-fi channel of all things. Um, I think I was up really late, like three in the morning drawing or something. It just popped up and I was like, what? One of like one of those Super Nintendo games my brother rented is now an animation. I was not aware of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I might actually pick this up because uh, I've always had a, a deep love for, for these these animations. But um, Brad, what jumps out at you next? Uh, I can mention a few more uh, just Vinegar Syndrome uh, releases here. Uh, Tough Guys Don't Dance, uh, which I don't know a ton about. Uh, you got Isabella Rossellini in there. I think Lawrence Tierney's in there. Um, I've heard great things about this film. Uh, so I, other than that, I don't know much about it, but I've heard great things about Tough Guys Don't Dance. Um, there's a couple other partner labels here. There's a new one from Agfa, What Really Happened to Baby Jane. Um, we've got one from Saturn's core, which is called duck, the carbine high massacre, which, uh, seems to be in very bad taste as it was, you think? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a film about a school shooting that took, came out, was it the year after Columbine or is this the same year? It was like right fucking next yeah. to it. <laughs> like I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same year. Yeah. Seems, uh, I mean, even r- removed, this could be, this could be a rough watch. Um, and there's a few other ones, uh, Wild Tigers I've Known, uh, Girl School Screamers, that is an actual Vinegar Syndrome uh, release, and Kid Candidate all are falling under uh, the Vinegar Syndrome label or their partner labels in some way. Very nice. Uh, I will point out that there is a, a film from 1976 called The Hunter Will Get You, which is a Kino Lorber release, and the only reason I highlight it is because I've noticed this fella, this leading man, has been getting a lot of releases over the past couple of years, and I just love saying his name. Uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo. <laughs> that is a fucking name. <laughs> I want that name. Um, but let's kick on down the line here. Uh, not a whole lot jumping out at me. I will point out that there is yet another Lionsgate release of a Twist from 2021 yeah. featuring My Cocaine. And Le- is that Lena Head? Hedy? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it is Lena Hedy. Wow. I was Yikes. like, you got to mention that. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what is this? Uh, Legend of the Stardust Brothers um, from 1985. This is an SRS cinema name. Um, oh, wow. This is apparently about Tezuka Osamu's son. <laughs> uh, Tezuka Osamu, who is... Uh, like the father of of modern day manga basically oh okay um, yeah. i know i know nothing about this i just i read the the back of the box description and i was like whoa i actually know those names interesting <laughs> um and then we have uh re-releases of the gi joe films uh <laughs> presumably in an attempt to recoup their losses from snake eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we have black belt from 2007 from media blasters uh this was a film, it's a Japanese film that I had actually intended to see back when it initially hit theaters, but just never got around to it. Uh, maybe I'll check it out now. And I just have to point out this man's face because he pops up in funny places and like weird blockbusters every now and again. But this uh, Never Gonna Snow Again, this man's face bothers me, Brad. Who, like, who is like, this guy? 
I don't know, but he's kind of like that. Was it the Irish kid from the? He's in the. He's in the new Marvel movie, the one directed by Chloe Zhao, and uh, was it the the Colin Farrell movie? Oh, um, Barry Keegan, Barry Keegan, whatever. Yeah, that? he's got that face that just makes you want to hit him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know you, but I gotta hit you. <laughs> like this, this, this Eastern European, maybe Russian fella. He has a similar vibe to me. I can see only that. Different, yeah. Only difference is this guy looks fake. He looks like a fake person. Yeah. And he shows up in the weirdest of places. Uh, like, I think he was in Mission Impossible 5. Oh, okay. I, th- I think he's one of the guys in the plane in the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do anything. He's just kind of there. And uh, same goes with the that um, Jack Ryan. Sh- is it Shadow Recruit? Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's who, go with uh, that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I, I get an award for being the only person in the past half decade to think of that movie. <laughs> I think it was directed by Kenneth Branagh. I believe it was. But this this guy with this fucking face plays a big role in the finale of that movie. Oh, okay. And the whole time I was like, expert level casting. Because not only can I tell he is Eastern European, I also want to hit him. Because, because he looks like he's wearing a Mission Impossible mask. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't fit right or something. It's like the machine. It's like it's like the the ghost protocol version where it like crapped out halfway through, and then they're like, "Fuck it, that's your face." Yeah, there's something slightly it. off. There's something slightly off. Just just his something about his power, like and the way his skin settles on his face. It's just it's a little too loose and a little too puffy. <laughs> so I it's just don't, I just don't like this man's face. I'm just, I just hey. felt the need to point that out. No, that's all right, man. I mean, now I'm never gonna be able to unsee it. <laughs> and it doesn't help that this cover he's like pointing at me he's like calling me out he's challenging yeah. me yeah he's like coming <laughs> it's like come at me bro <laughs> in russian um anyway uh that's about it for the month of september obviously there were some good ones in there and obviously brad and i already picked up some stuff but uh as is customary we'll uh we'll wrap up this uh catching up on blu-ray by doing a, a review here <laughs> of uh anything that we might we might end up picking up or we might end up renting or something. So I'll let uh, Brad collect his thoughts here. Uh, so I'll just scroll backwards through the calendar and point out anything that uh, I might be picking up. So as I said, the Vinegar Syndrome release of Resurrection, the Russell Mulcahy film, is a maybe for me. As is the Vinegar Syndrome WNUF Halloween special. Um, I'm going to pass on Legend until Arrow gets their shit together and puts out a 4K because, again, the visual element of that film is the only selling point. Um, although, no, that's not true. The The music's also very, very good. I I forget who composed it. It was, it was like Jerry Goldsmith or, mm. or James Horner, one of those guys. Uh, I know those are radically different things, but... I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Fast 9 already grabbed it. Not terribly happy about it, but I already have all the other ones from 5 onwards, so I'm just a sucker for them at this point. Uh, Unbreakable I do want to see again, but I'm not going to pay for it. Um, uh, Black Widow, uh, whenever whenever it's in stock someplace uh, and it's reasonably priced, uh, I'll probably end up just picking up the Blu-ray. Shawshank is a big maybe. Um, 
uh, it's very disappointing to me that that 4K's audio is is all busted to shit. Um, but if I if I hear some news that they corrected it, which I seriously doubt they will, maybe I'd pick it up. But it's got it's got the movie on my mind now, so now I now I kind of want it. Yeah. But but after what you told me about, it, it's like I better not. So <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not that crazy. Um, American Badger, man. <laughs> oh, Death Ring. Death Ring. Uh, from Code Red. You gonna that pick it cover, up? Man, that cover, man. I I might have to bite for that. Like that. I got too much mileage out of talking shit about that. <laughs> like clearly, it's bringing me joy on some level. Yeah. I may as I may as well see what it's all about. I know it's not good, so I don't have any expectations. Um. And that Star Trek box set is just frustrating. I don't know why that is disappointing. Uh, although, again, similar to Shawshank, it's now on my mind, and I do like these movies. I do kind of want to watch them now. Yeah, but not like that. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> not like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing on 4K, like Brad, I already have it in a different format. Um, I don't really feel the need to upgrade. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh. If they double dip, if they put out a version that has, <laughs> what if they extend it further, Brad? <laughs> oh God, six <laughs> hour extended, cut, an extended version of the extended cut. Um, it, yeah, if they put out like a different disc that that actually shows in detail like what what went into making this, yeah, I, I really am interested. I want that. I actually legitimately want that. It's just they didn't give it to us, so I, you're not getting my money this time. Uh, so yeah, a lot of frustrating releases for me personally, but there's enough good in there for me to say it's a it's a overall pretty good month. But uh, how about you, Brad? What you got? Um, yeah, let's see. I guess I I probably will eventually get Shawshank. I might wait until it drops below twenty dollars, but I'm sure at some point I'll get it because I don't own it already. Um, I already have Unbreakable 4K and Dementia 13. Um, I'd like to see Breakdown. I might pick up Breakdown, and I, I do like those Paramount Presents releases. Those always look quite nice. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, I probably will get the WNUF Halloween special, and I do want to see Resurrection, but I probably will wait until, let's see, it wouldn't be this upcoming uh, Black Friday sale. It would ha- you'd have to wait until the halfway to Black Friday sale in May or whatever for it to uh, for it to go on sale. So as long as uh, you know the limited edition slipcovers remain in stock, I'll probably wait until then. But I, I do want to pick that one up eventually. That seems like a pretty safe gamble, Brad. I, yeah. I don't expect too many people are chomping at the bit to pick up a forgotten Russell Mulcahy movie starring Christopher it. Lambert. I doubt it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you'll be pretty safe. Like yeah. even if there's only like five thousand of them, it's like it's like how many did we sell? It's like not many. <laughs> it's like some guy named Trevor in Seattle bought two of them though. <laughs> Why did he do that? Was it a mistake? It's like no, he like wrote in the memo, like, don't forget I bought two. <laughs> One's supposed to stay in the wrapping. Hey, yeah, yeah, you got to be prepared. You never know if you'll, when you'll need an extra copy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to bring things back to M. Night Shyamalan, so, sometimes you never know when those quirks are going to help you out. Right. Just of circumstances. 
Swing away, Brad. Swing away. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess that's about it for our catching up on Blu-ray for uh, September 2021. Uh, but before we go, uh, I just want to say thank you to Brad uh, for helping me out. Always yeah, appreciate chatting with you. Uh, but uh, Brad, would you like to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. So uh, you can search for us on any podcasting platform: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, we are on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and you can find us at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com on the web. Fantastic! Very well said, as always. Thank um, you, thank you. <laughs> but uh, folks at home, if you would like to catch up on any of our other uh, catching up on cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of a Twitter at Catching Cinema, as well as an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the show is available on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google that shit. Uh, but that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.